his willingness to be mindful of every, and be thankful of everything that he has and all of his friends is something that I can honestly say I think I sort of glazed over while he was alive. I feel like whether it was spoken or not, no matter what his suffering was, regardless of how he was feeling, he didn't want you to have to feel that way either. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 71, The Patron Saint of 3 a.m., a tribute to Brian Moore, featuring Marcus Sawyer, Joshua Perotti, and Cody Lugier. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Thank you for tuning in to this special tribute episode of Find the Good News. On February 6, 2019, Southwest Louisiana lost a giant when local musician Brian Moore passed away. On December 23, 2019, three of Brian's closest friends joined me at the right round table to pay tribute to his life by openly sharing the intimacy they each experienced living in Brian's loving presence. I believe you'll find as I did, that Brian was more than a musician. You'll discover that his heart and compassion, his love, was proportionate to the pain that this community feels having lost him. So I won't waste another minute with announcements. As the dew point of 3 a.m. softens the world, let's put up the closed sign for a bit, bring our close friends even closer, gather around cold brews and ashtrays, order some short order comfort food, Relax into cracked vinyl seats as the buzz of neon beer lights takes you away. Now, press play on a little good news. After 70 conversations with good people doing good works, one might expect that sitting down to write a proper reflection on a guest would get easier. It does not. It's not that it's hard work or that it takes some great skill to sit and reflect on the words and works of a person. Mostly, it's my own commitment that gives it gravity. I never wished for these meditations to be just another task in the list of things it takes to produce Find the Good News. With each guest, I've tried to bring my full attention and sincerity to a sharpened point before a single word is typed or spoken. In the case of this episode, this conversation, I have felt an even higher duty to honor the individual properly, for he is no longer here with us. When Brian Moore passed from this world on February 6, 2019, it was as if the social networks in southwest Louisiana groaned and erupted his name. The great sigh of weeping that followed carried cascading professions of the manifold ways he embraced and comforted the people he encountered during the days and nights of his life. It goes beyond the obvious to state that he was a beloved musician. He will be remembered for his skill and the tutelage that he provided to blossoming musicians of every sort for uncountable years. While the tales of his musical prowess were legendary, it was the stories of Brian's larger-than-life heart and his ability to listen, and then love, that reached my ears. These were stories of the lonely, the seemingly unloved, the worried, the curious, the lost, the outcast, the angry, lovers, fighters, friends, enemies, people cast into every crevice and crack of the damp morning hours. It was there on bar stools, cafes, and stoops that Brian Moore would wrap countless people in the full attention of his presence, offering ears to hear and hugging arms to heal. Is it possible to miss someone that you were never close to? 
having only known them through the loving legend shared by others? If it is, I believe it is, then I, like those who knew him best, miss Brian Moore. I wish dearly that I had reconnected with him in the last decade of his life so that I too would have the love of this giant to lean on. I harbor deep regret that I had only just begun this good news journey at the time of his passing. If I had started sooner, then perhaps it would be his voice you would hear on this show today. This is not what happened, so it cannot be the way forward. The true way forward is to remember him in detail, tell stories of his good works, think fondly on the various hallowed spaces he haunts, and ponder each of the known and unknown faces that he lovingly called Pumpkin. This is what three of Brian Moore's closest friends, Marcus Sawyer, Joshua Perotti, and Cody Louvier, came together to do in this tribute episode of Find the Good News. These friends shared a trinity of laughter, love, and loss as they sunk into places of great joy and deep pain. What they shared reminded me yet again that there are beings in this world that transmute their personal pains, sorrows, and loneliness into a wellspring of love and consolation to the lonely. Because they have great personal suffering, they are able to bear the burdens of others. Often, when they enter your life, there is a presence so strong and permanent that even when they leave us, their vibration remains, permeating the textures and surfaces of the spaces they inhabited. These beings firmly wedge into the hearts of the people that remain to carry their flame. Amidst the misty morning, when the gigs are over and the bars have closed, through the lingering smoke, there is a man on a stool, smiling your way. Brian Moore, patron saint of 3AM, heavy be thy name. Wake up, it's morning, you're dreaming up a story I can hear way it's going cause you're laughing in your sleep on the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light pouring through your window old news bad news fake news sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all with find the good news i aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work i visit with artists educators civic and spiritual leaders musicians business owners students volunteers and everyday citizens who are using their creativity resources and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world in each episode i dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm going to find the good. And it was oh yeah we did didn't we that was, oh, that was really yeah. where we started all hanging out mm-hmm. yeah because I mean like after the bars and everything that's where I met friends you. would come I over so. to come over to the hotel because there's nothing going on I'd check in like two people I'd check out like two people this was before the casinos and everything so there really wasn't a whole lot of business on the weekends and on special occasions yeah, yeah. but but not during the week I was I was strictly weekday night audit 
that was so in the middle of the shift i'd do 30 minutes worth of paperwork to make sure the numbers you know matched up and otherwise we'd sit and play smash brothers we'd be wow. and, and 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 like beers and you know i mean just relax yeah like oh it was it was it was a lot of fun it was it paid absolutely nothing but i mean i could i you built a little shoebox i built a little shoebox computer yeah. and i would just bring it up to work and plug it into the monitor up at work and they, they had a t1 which at the time was, oh, shit. oh that was so we one and a half so megabits much. up oh and down God, and dude. at the time that was absolutely insane wild so uh, no other place had that oh yeah oh, except for maybe great. a school but i don't even think so no um, the colleges I don't, I don't think they had it then though oh i'm McNeese, pretty sure mcneese had at least a t1 then. i really don't think so really don't no think so. i don't think so i mean uh in uh, melrose in california we didn't get a t1 until 2004 Oh, God. I think they had good internet, wow. but it was not a T1. Like, you were the only person that I knew that had access to that kind of speed. Wow. It was yeah. probably because it was right yeah. off the interstate. And it what hotel wasn't was that? On purpose. Uh, the one the right... Inn on the Bayou. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. now a Motel 6, I think. Yeah, it's like one was... that's right by the... It's that restaurant that has been like a it's bunch been of like different It's been like 17 different oh, things. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's, two it's the only hotel, yes. even in this yeah. town, it's the only hotel you can you can boat up to, dock your boat, and go stay. Man, it's amazing that play that restaurant just can't... It's cursed. Yeah, it dude. It's, it's one of those got locations. that exactly. That's the you know when it comes to when it comes to, to businesses, but especially restaurants. I mean, you can have all the metrics in the world. Oh, there's this kind of foot traffic. This many cars go by, but there are some places that just nobody ever stops, no matter no, what man. you do. And unless you like, I mean, you'd have to you have to go way out of your way to get people to stop there. Yeah. yeah. It's weird, man, because I, I know, and even now with all the traffic right there, I'm thinking, God, I'm surprised nobody's really taking another yeah. bet on it. But I think it's just like you said, it's got that that stigma. Mm-hmm. Tell them curse. The, the curse, curse, right? Not and then there are some places. Stigma, the there are some places that are. I mean, you're completely well well out of the way that that people just show up to all the time. They yeah. always think about it, you know. They all, all this, I, you know, my, my, in, in in Lake Charles. I mean, I don't know how it is anymore because I don't go out. I haven't gone out in like a decade. But it was basically if your place wasn't on, you know, Ryan or Prion, when people thought about going to go eat or do something like that, they they would run down the street in their heads. And if your business wasn't on one of those roads, you were not getting yeah, you makes getting sense. anybody. That's yeah. that's except still for except for uh, except for uh, yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, I need some Jabot jeans and go to Pizzazz on Ryan Pizzazz, dude. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, Ryan Street. Yeah, oh, golly. Oh, oh that, that's a memory thing. Sticky Very commercial, much. man. Oh, my gosh. Pizzazz <laughs> was like the, the new thing, though, man, when that was built. That sign. That sign, dude. That sign it was stuck so out. So visible. Was, yeah, it was so different than anything else that was down there. Street. Pizzazz <laughs> <laughs> on Ryan Street. God, we talk about this sometimes on the show, these old memories like of Bayou 104 and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I had this funny story. I've, I don't know if I've told it on the show, but uh, when I was a kid, you know, I didn't have like a nice boom box. My, I used to see other kids that had nice boom box, but mm-hmm. I had this old radio of my dad's so I could record like one tape. And so I was where, you know, you get all your music, oh, yeah. you're waiting for your favorite songs to come on. Yep. And I always wanted to win one of those phone contests, you know? Uh-huh. And so I'm sitting in my bedroom, you know, and I'm listening to music and they have one of those phone contests and I was recording and all this on and off, on and off. And I'm calling that night. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this contest and I didn't win it. So the next morning I get up and I'm doing my little, you know, tape again, see what all my songs are. And I kind of got doing something in the house and I'm listening to it. And that contest comes on again and I go, oh, shoot, I'm going to get it today. They're doing it again. And so I call and dude, it starts ringing, you know, and if it didn't ring, it was like, nah, you're nah, like, oh, nah. it's, it's over. But it starts ringing. And I'm like, oh, my God, as a kid, you're freaking <laughs> yes, out. Yeah. I'm getting through firing your guts. Mm-hmm. Answer the phone. And they're like, buy you one of four. And I'm like. Am I like the you know tenth caller? And the guy was like, 
tenth caller for what? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, poor, poor contest. You. And he was like, Well, we're not having a contest right now. And I'm going, Hang on, I just heard it. And then I just click. I got so embarrassed. Like nobody saw it. Yeah. But you ever had that? Oh. Like, just your own embarrassment, dude. It's just yours to <laughs> right. Your you, own you shame. fire, right? Yeah. Dude, I just hung up the phone. I'm so ashamed. Because <laughs> oh. I, I realized, I said, I'm just, I must have just kept recording. Oh, no. And so I had been playing that cassette. Oh, oh, oh you were accidentally listening to your cassette. I was oh, listening okay, to yeah, the yeah. contest oh, wow. from the That's night before. That's pretty common back then. You make mixtapes all the time. <laughs> yep. Wait for the top 10 and be like, there's a song that I like. I'm going to, and then tomorrow, maybe my song that I other, the other song I like, I can record it and make a mixtape. Yeah. The, there was a movie, when you said that story, I was thinking about this movie. Uh, where this guy lives in a basement. It's like a summertime movie. It's, uh, oh, dude, I know it? what it is. It's called One Crazy Summer. One Crazy it Summer. It had Bobcat Goldthwait oh, and uh, John Cusack. <laughs> yes. 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 And you remember the guy lived in the basement? He had long hair. And that's what he, he did all summer. All yeah. summer trying yeah. to win oh, yeah. that damn contest. Yeah. And he drops it. He finally like he finally gets through on the damn call. I remember. And then he, he gets so excited that he pulls the phone out yes. of the wall. And he has a total psychotic break. He does. Because it's every... <laughs> he, he sits in. there. Yeah. He's like waiting. He's got the phone. It's like he's obsessed with you chain it. chain smoking. Oh, dude. That's funny that you bring that up. That's one of my favorite movies, man. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would watch that over and over. I used to love Bobcat Goldthwait. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he pretty much just played the Police Academy character over and over again in a lot of those movies. I mean, I, the first time I heard Bobcat Goldthwait do stand-up, I went... Hang on. That's not him. This guy's yeah. totally this guy? different. I didn't realize he was playing a character. I thought he talked like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy's made a career. But... The first guy to hire Bobcat Goldthwait, and everyone around him, like, you sure you want to hire that guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts with him on it, and I'm like, damn, dude, I love listening to but his, his comedy's funny, man. I mean, oh, yeah, it really he's is. Funny guy. So, look, I mean, we've actually been rolling, so we caught a lot of good banter. That was fun. Um, but the show's about Brian Moore. So, for my listeners, um, I'll quickly tell this story because I don't want to be the voice on this tonight too much. Uh, so, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, whenever I started the show, the basic premise was I want to celebrate good people doing good works. That's literally the intro to this podcast. It says, you know, I'm seeking good people doing good works. And so I started looking around the local community. And of course, when you start a show, you look at your own network immediately, you know, who do you know immediately? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I put it out there to the listeners to tell me after that, once I hit my initial, you know, circle of influence, and the show was kind of getting its legs. I was like, hey, tell me people to get on the show. And so people started feeding us. And, and then I was going, wow, I've kind of scheduled out for months. During that time, you know, Brian passed away. And that's when I started hearing all these stories about Brian. And I'm going, man, I kind of started uh, kicking myself because I was like, I really wish I had got on the front end and had an opportunity to to capture Brian on this show, you know, and have one of those conversations like I was having with all these other people because he kind of checked every mark, you know, these unsung heroes, because that's what the show is, really. It's about people that maybe aren't getting that public celebration, but they're out there doing something and helping people and touching people's lives. And what I realized with Brian was that that was what he's been doing in all his whole life. Yeah. And, you know, I knew Brian in junior high school, and we didn't really stay close friends after junior high. And uh, hearing some of those stories, I really felt like we'd have been good friends. 
you know, just some of the, the really touching stories that I heard. So, well, he never met a stranger. That's what never it sounds like. So the idea came up to have a show that was about Brian and bring close friends of his in to really try to share who he was and through personal stories, laugh, laugh, cry, whatever, you know, and I, I just think this is a great idea. So I'm going to kind of step aside for a minute and let you guys introduce yourselves one by one so the audience can hear your voice and, and maybe tell us how what your connection was to Brian Moore. Well, you're left to right? Or let's right? go left. To, yeah, well, let's go clockwise <laughs> to my left. All right. I'm Marcus. Uh, I am, uh, I'm a, uh, let's see, homeless, vagrant, musician, uh, producer, studio builder, recording studio builder, uh, uh, I'm one of four uh, siblings. Um, more if you count all the extra, uh, <laughs> extra um, tendrils. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I uh, I met Brian. Uh, I think I want I want to say I met Brian through my cousin Josh, who's to my left, um, at my other cousin uh, David's house in their recording oh, studio. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. My cousin's dad built a very nice recording studio here in. Maplewood and um, Josh used to hang out with David and and Brian in the studio because it was an awesome place to hang out and you could like turn up the the loud as you wanted oh god I mean the SPL's uh, sound pressure level uh, you could just crank it maximum on a on a fully analog system with like you know four or five hundred watts of power oh yeah in that little in that little I mean, it was a little room considering how much power you put into it. There was blown foam all in the walls and mm-hmm. like control room. And oh, it was wow. Super insulated, nice and cool, no matter nice. what time. Legit. It was always the same temperature there. Legit studio. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Charles. Yeah, for, yeah. But it, so, was a, it was pretty much abandoned was, after you, he had built no it. No one used it. No. Yeah. So we just used it as a crash pad. Yeah. <laughs> play, play games. <laughs> like up on the end of high school, post high school, like crash pad for years. Interesting. That's, I didn't even know that existed. Oh, yeah. it was so great. Oh wow, yeah. man! It's still there. I mean, yeah. uh, the but so that's how I met Brian and um, uh, and over the years as I got into gigging and stuff, some musician stuff, I, I met you know met him at the gigs and he also used to do where I first kind of got close to Brian was at an old place called uh, it's not there anymore. It's the building's still there, but it's not the same business. It's uh, it used to be called D'Agostinos. Oh, oh yeah, D'Agostinos. Yeah. So uh, I, I left uh, Lake Charles in uh, late part of 99 and went on the road with uh, a band called The Thinking Pliers. Uh, got another couple guys from here, uh, Ryan and Paul Westbrook, and we toured South Central United States. And Brian was always working the door at D'Agostino's. Yeah. And what the, when we got... Re- what really got us close to him is because we always got screwed on all our money oh, everywhere yeah, else was, we went. Oof. And Brian was super like tight on it. Like when we would come home for we had an annual Thanksgiving show that we'd do. And we did that for I don't know, probably five, six years. And actually probably longer than that because we did it in high school too. Um, but he was always like you know what i make sure you get your money like there was nobody getting in there without paying and that wasn't always the case like at d'agostino's like sometimes people would sneak and get in and but brian whenever we were playing he knew we needed that money because we were on the road and uh he made sure that we got our money and um, i mean to be fair also like with most people but most most venues like once that door money hits the owner's hands it becomes a different amount of money 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I mean, nothing against that specific one. And Joanne was Although, you know, pretty awesome about that. Uh, but, you, but that's you, compared that's to others. Yes. Yeah. Compared to like an accountant who is always on the ball and make sure that everybody gets everything. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> there were other factors during that time, too. <laughs> but uh, I, I'll, I'll leave that for later. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself, Josh. Oh, my name is Josh. Um, geez, me and Brian were best friends for more than half my life. I, I met him when I was 17, maybe. So we're like three, four, 14, 24, 24 years, maybe-ish. We were we were we were not just friends, but like inseparable besties. Um, it was amazing. Uh, very very lucky to have had a friend as um, just as 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 invested in me as a person as he was, and then that and that wasn't you know really unique to me. He was he was invested in everybody that he ever met. Um, you know when you when when when. When you talk to people and you swap stories, you know, about the politics, current events or past experiences or whatever it happens to be, um, it's very rare to find somebody who is genuinely listening to what you're saying. And when you're finished talking, has, has genuine input, hmm. like who processes what you're saying through their own life experiences and then is trying to help you, whether that's, oh, I'm going to help you get this or get that or whatever, or more than likely, like, well, how about if we view that experience you just told me through this other lens? Like, well, maybe that other person meant this, or maybe, 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 you know, you should do that, or maybe, uh, um, as opposed to just waiting to tell you his new story or, or give you one piece of input and then switch to talking about him. Mm. Um, he, he was just extraordinarily invested in everybody he met, and he was always very, very genuine and to have, for me personally to have gotten that as much as I did um, I mean I'll, I'll never meet anybody else like him ever and I'll never have a, a friendship like his ever again um, and I'm so just I'm, I'm lucky I, there's, no, there's no better word I'm, I'm just so lucky to have, to, to, have, to have been through that we knew each other for a very long time um, we never you know, we never spent more than six months apart. And that was like this, you know, that was like, that only got close even once. And he moved, he moved, he moved, he moved like a, like, you know, 20 hours away. And, uh, after, after like four months, I couldn't, I couldn't take anymore. I called him up and like, Hey, you got a, you got a space over there. You got space up in the town that like, I, I don't even remember where it was. It was Missouri. Um, it may have been Missouri. I think it was Missouri. What year is this? Uh, 98. Okay. 99 maybe sound somewhere in there give or take two or three years one way or the other um and uh he was like yeah man we got a place up here i didn't know anybody but brian i didn't have anything lined up i just threw all my shit in the car and 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 uh and drove 18 hours uh to go see him it was uh i mean to go live up there really and i mean it was a great time it was a great time. He had already had all these people who knew him. <laughs> he'd been there. He'd been there like four months. And, yeah. <laughs> five months. And, and he was already, he already had a, a big circle of really, really fun people. You know, not just people who knew him, but, but like, you know. Yeah. People who were great to hang out with. And, uh, and, and, and it was great. I never spent more time away from him uh, than that. And, um, yeah, love him. Love him so much. Miss him very much. Uh, I want to say, and it was funny. Look, I got a story, I and mean, we'll go. Look, it's kind of how I met Brian, right? I met Brian. I met Brian at uh, at uh, KD's. 
I met Brian at KD's. I was like 17. Wow. I met Brian at KD's. And Brian never, I mean, I, I've never, I've never in my life known him a long time. I've seen him meet so many people. I've never in my life seen a bad meeting like that wasn't very intentionally on the other person's side. Like you got to really, you got to really be insulting him like repeatedly and threatening people with violence and like <laughs> over and over. Cause he'll try to get over the first threat. He's like, I hear what you're saying, but <laughs> maybe we could just be friends. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, uh, <clears throat> he said some very insulting things to me about me as a person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was it was it was pretty bad. I think his exact words was um, you're generic. You are in no way unique and if you died tomorrow I even know somebody right down the road from me who could take your place in a heartbeat. <laughs> and I don't really remember saying very much to him. He says that I insulted a good friend of his. Oh wow. Who was sitting next to him. Oh. I don't remember that either. But it must have been an it must have been a cherry insult. To have to have to have pulled that out of him, um, wow, man! Right, right. I don't know. I like I said, I've known I've him so long. I've never. By him. We've been, you know, we grew up together, and I've been insulted by him, and assaulted by him, and we've assaulted and insulted each other for a long time. And I will say, by that me, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you're. you're I just want to make that clear that you're pointing at me. We're super, talking about me, not Brian. I'm. Yeah, yeah no, no. You're, 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 you're incredibly cutting, deep cuts. Yeah, uh, I passed, you just have a sharp wit, is what it, it yes, is. It, so, it is, and and, and you can just. Pop off like that. <laughs> but that was the trigger, though, as I remember Brian defended other people before he defended himself. Yeah. So oh, totally. Well, yeah. If I'd have insulted him, he, did, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have, have cared. It wouldn't have gone nope. anywhere. I see. Yeah. Okay. And I was, and, and, uh, I mean, the next time we met, though, we were best friends. Like wow. after the night, wow. the next time we met, we were best friends and it never he stopped. He got that out. He fired it off at you and you took it. And it's like, okay, we got that out of the way. Now you know what the, you know what the score is so we can be friends now. Right, right, right. And, and it, was, it was great ever since then. That was the first and last time he ever said anything negative uh, about me wow. to my face or behind my back or I mean, <laughs> at any point. It was great. It was great. And that's not a unique experience for me necessarily. I've got several really, really good friends who like we were fighting maybe the first time we met like physically really? or <laughs> they were very angry at me I'm, I'm i don't have much of a filter and i'm i'm kind of a dick <laughs> i got a good heart i can say that about myself sometimes i you know <laughs> i can be a bit raw the truth that cuts like a blade right, right. i mean sometimes right. the friendships that are built on that well it's better than the friendship built on a bunch of bullshit you yeah know? i mean it, you yeah. know you find out right what at the beginning what the truth is yeah yeah, for sure it's, it's pretty nice yeah i'm gonna pass it over to you all right uh, my name is cody louvier uh, born and raised here in the lake charles sulfur area i've been in baton rouge for about a decade now okay um so i met brian when i was a little goth kid i was i think 17 as well and uh, i went to a, a familiar place for all of us here um shaky ground mm. um local coffee shop off common street uh i was a little kid and you know i was kind of just wandering around seeing what was going on there and uh, i met you know, a plethora of friends there brian included and i'm trying to think of the very first moment i met him but a lot of those memories are kind of just muddled together and it turned into um always having that that friend there or wherever I was around town. Brian knew my entire family. My family knew his family kind of, you know, we're from the small area. You know, you mentioned your name. They're like, Oh, I know your, your uncles, your aunts, your cousins. Yeah. And, um, 
so he immediately knew my dad from uh, my dad runs the boat association and so he's like oh yeah you're Gerard's kid you know yeah and, and within seconds um, I was you know under his wing and his protection um, mostly because of you know my, the good relationship he had with my dad and he had has nothing but amazing things to say about him so uh, but I, a couple of key things um, you know Brian you know I was a little scrawny goth kid I was about a buck 20 you know and uh, in, in our wonderful area down down here in the south that doesn't always bode well for the locals so brian on multiple occasions via his presence alone or the, a specific heavy thing heavy b don't mess that's, with him. that's how i <laughs> met brian but one of the you know one of the main things that i'll always remember is i went i you know in high school right so i went to shaky ground and i needed to do a fundraiser for something i don't remember which one it was and i was selling pins it was mm. like a, you get your name engraved on a pin <clears> and you do that thing and you know i'm, I'm just not trying to to do too much but he he heard about it you know i think it was even from somebody else and i remember him coming up to me and being like hey you're you're selling pins and i'm like oh sure yeah man <laughs> and uh and he was like oh cool i'll buy i'll buy one and i was like oh, oh all right and that's whenever he was like yeah he's like okay well you know you get a little engraving note on there he's like put heavy b on it heavy b and i was like okay cool so i got him that pin and he ended up keeping that pin for over a decade um i remember one of the last times i saw him he was talking about how he had lost it for a while and then he had found it again and of course by that point in time i don't think it was working but for him it was like just a, an ornament you know it was mm -hmm. like a sentimental piece that he he got to have and it was a memory of, of us and and you know josh here I'm not. I'm trying to remember. I think that kind of led, uh, you know, in that that time, that era, uh, me, you know, meeting Josh and everyone else, and and then we would go to the and on the Bayou for graveyard shift, and we, you know, I, I had insomnia when I was a kid, so I wasn't sleeping, and Brian would show up after a gig with a gallon of Arizona iced tea <laughs> and, right, right. And, a, and a family sized submarine sandwich. Oh, yeah. And that was a his... Bag, a, a, a bag of chips. A big bag a full of chips. Size bag full size bag of chips. Like this is a Walmart. No, he didn't stop this, at the gas station. No. <laughs> and that was his. Right. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't ours. We got had to bring our own That was his bag of chips. That was oh, he would share. He would but, he, you, but if you didn't ask him for any, he was eating that whole thing himself. Yes. No problem. It was no problem. It was 100%. very, very simple. But yeah, if you needed some, oh my, we almost chips oh yeah of course yeah he'd share but That's yeah so that was funny. that was for him if nobody else wanted it yep and it would be gone by the end of the night or morning oh, man whenever we would all leave and or yep. you know leave around he could, put up, he could put away food when he was a big boy but heavy b and it was always great having him around because like i said scrawny little kid you know people want to start shit with you all the time and josh and i have been part of that together where people just they're like hey uh, i think i need to fight these guys um, and i mean our wonderful lovely state and uh and he he i remember a few times he would kind of step in whenever he saw like you mentioned he'd defend other people he would just stand there he would That's just all he had there. to do he well, was so big and so intimidating. He, he would just stand between the two of you. And you couldn't get talked. around him. <laughs> but until he talked, as soon as he started talking, you're all like, oh, wait, who's, who's, this, who's this big teddy bear? Um, but he, he definitely, you know, prevented some things from going very sour by his presence alone. But also, like, when you when you struck his ire, it was something to behold. Yeah. He, you he, had to work real hard to do it. You so. did. You when sure you did. did. 
But 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 insulting one of his close friends or, <laughs> right. or really just being or hurting them emotionally. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. you were you were done. Yeah. He was. I mean, it was like a war path I've never seen. <laughs> and we mentioned his intimidating presence. Like you didn't want to be on the. Whatever. <laughs> and I never actually saw him get into a fight. That was the other thing. Yeah. He was able. Oh, to, I never saw I, him fight either. Not like not trade blows. Really? I saw him. I saw him get hit. And I saw him like like frown at people who hit him. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, guys, really. I, <laughs> this is the strangest thing. I, I'm, I've got to tell you, I never would have believed that everything y'all just said would lead into how I know Brian. All right, but it's circular, man. So as I'm listening to you say this, I, I'm cracking up. I'm going wow because I told y'all, you know, I, my relationship with Brian ends at junior high. I mean, mm-hmm. we went to Sulphur together, but we weren't like close or friends. So here's how my biggest memory with Brian. So we were. We went to school together. We were sort of friends, cutting up in class, but we weren't like buds. But we knew each other. And one day, I went to a, well, we went to LeBlanc Middle School, right? And it's kind of rough school back in the right. '80s. You know, a lot of fighting. Mm-hmm. It was a constant fighting. If you were a little kid, which I was a little kid, you get picked on a lot. There. Right? There was zero tolerance bullshit. That's like, right. You, then. And Brian there was, was plenty a big of fights, guy, and so then everybody if you, worst you got like a day exactly. of detention. And it's was, funny we're talking about his stature though, and that heavy B thing because okay, so on this one particular day. We were both coming out of this class, and we were late. We're going to be late for the school bus, and I don't know what we were doing. That's a part of this memory I can't recall, like what caused this to happen, but we had lockers by each other, and we were the last two kids in the hall, and so I was closing my locker, and Brian was being funny, and he came up, and he slammed his hip against my locker. Well, my fingers got caught in my locker, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, it actually hurt, and I was like, dude, get off my fingers, and he was like, huh, and he laughed again. He did it again, and so I said, <laughs> and I had a pencil inside my locker, a sharpened pencil, oh, no. and I said, dude, get off my fingers, or I'm going to stab you, and so he, he laughed, and he did it again, and so I stabbed him right in the stomach with that pencil. <laughs> And he, he he jumped back and he goes, <gasps> and he said, if I'm bleeding, you're dead. Oh my. And so I was like, dude, screw it. I've got to get to the school bus because I'm like running down the hall. Well, Brian goes in the bathroom. And so I'm out and I'm standing in my bus line. <laughs> and then here he comes across the courtyard at school and he's pissed. And there's like this little red blood spot. Oh, my God. Because, I mean, I saw my pencil, the little pencil lead was off, you know. Oh. And so he came up and he lifted his shirt and he was like, I told you if I was bleeding, you're dead. And so he grabbed me by the by the collar of my shirt. Well, this other kid, who was kind of a, a an older kid who was like way too old to be in the you know eighth grade, yeah. uh, comes over there. And this is what he does. It sucks. Now in my memory, I was always like, man, this is exactly what happened to me all the time as a kid. So Brian was a big dude, and this guy was a big dude, and the guy grabs both of us. But instead of like yanking both of us around, he kind of like just starts yanking me around because he's like, yeah, this guy over here, and he he acted like he was trying to break us up. But he ends up like just kind of targeting me, and Brian's like, oh, I got to get on my school bus, and he takes off. So now I'm in a, a whole other altercation with this oh, wow. other guy who's way bigger than me. I'm trying to defend myself, and it turns into this big brawl. What? And so for me. Like I was actually, it was weird because the next day at school I was like 
pissed at Brian, even though I was like, dude, this whole thing melted down. And then we ended up talking about it. And he was like, dude, I'm sorry that that happened. You know, that whole thing blew out of proportion. It turned into something else for you. And we ended up <laughs> being better friends through the yeah. whole deal. But to this day, like that for me with Brian, that was like the biggest <laughs> The, the biggest image I had was that whole little altercation and how this domino <laughs> effect thing, like, oh, two buddies joking turns into me and the pencil and then him bullying at me across the yard and then him going, oh, dude, I gotta go. And then Bounce. I'm See out, dude, because the guy, because I know now that guy was like, oh, I'm not gonna mess with him. I'm gonna mess with this guy because me and this guy are the same size. He probably tried to try to move him at first and was like, mm, that's exactly what happened, happened, dude. He went, uh, and he went, oh, and he just threw me like a rag. Well, and Brian there. saw him handling you. He's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm done yeah. here. All right, <laughs> cool. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to get my hands dirty. <laughs> yeah. So it was very funny, man. Wow. I mean, it was just, a, it was a funny thing. So years later when I was a waiter at KD's and I saw him come in KD's and we kind of chat over the counter, you know, just cause he would just sit up at the bar Yeah. and uh, just, it wasn't like a deep connection, but it was, we chuckled about that story. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you remember that pencil thing? He was, oh God, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you, you bring y'all are talking about the fighting thing yeah. and his stature and then yeah. the pen. And mm-hmm. I was like, God, oh, makes me think of that pencil. Cause I mean, even to this day, I'll tell people like when I sharpen a pencil i always wow think of brian even though it's like <laughs> way out of context when i put a sharp pencil in a like zzz, i go man brian i'll I never stabbed forget him in the gut. i stabbed, stabbed him with that, that damn pencil the man <laughs> yeah heavy Except the presidents though you know you were like you're like all right and he probably he probably was like okay that guy can take care of himself a little bit <sighs> man dude at least what with a, a pencil with a pencil <laughs> i'm happy i know it i'm helping Sorry for interrupting the conversation, but I have something I need to tell you about. You may or may not know this, but this podcast is produced in the city of Sulphur, Louisiana, one of the sister cities that make up Southwest Louisiana. All of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of Sulphur. It's my home, and it's been a good home for most of my life. There is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your Sulphur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag SulphurToday. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, and the words Sulphur Today with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city by sharing all the very best Sulphur has to offer through the Sulphur Today social media pages. As the Sulphur Today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of Sulphur Today in a series of ongoing micro-documentaries. Look for the eye-catching Sulphur Today sign when you're out and about, and be ready. We may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op. And don't forget to stop by the Parker Brand Creative Services Studio in Sulphur to grab a Sulphur Today decal for your vehicle or business. We want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the Sulphur Today pages or by searching the Sulphur Today hashtag. Do you want to help us tell the story of Sulphur Today? Here's what I need you to do right now. 
visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulfur today. And be sure to share positive sulfur information and post often using the hashtag sulfur today. Now, back to find the good news. Oh, dude, anyway, I just thought it was funny the way it was kind of going around the table and then you and start talking about a, a pen right, and handy. And what I, yeah, right, like, that is a strange way to, to, to really kind of jump into discussing Brian because that's, that, is, that is such a small fraction of, I know, of his, of his life experiences. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Marcus, you, it sounded like you had a, conver- well, a story you, about... Well, neither of you guys ever saw him right. fight, right? right? Yeah. So there was a night, late night at Dakota's one night. Oh, boy. And I mean, I, I would be lying if I could. I mean, I cannot tell you the... I was drunk, okay? I was You were at Dakota's. I was at Dakota. I mean, what did I you mean, do at 3 in the morning at Dakota's? But there was some jack leg making trouble with the with the waitress. And I don't remember who the wait, uh, the bartender was. But you know how Brian was. He's very... Well, he was... Not everyone listening knows how Brian was. But he was very protective of... Uh, and you guys have already said that. Very protective of his friends and people that he cares about. And he used to, he used to sit at the door at uh, Dakota's. You know when he was heavy, you know, a heavy mm-hmm. beat. And he's very intimidating, and no one, no one dared to, to fuck with Brian. No. You know, I no. mean, you, we walk in in Dakotas, and it's late, and a lot of people go there already screwed up. From, oh, yeah. You know, and and some of them are looking for trouble, but Dakotas was kind of like a chill place for a lot of people. Like the, you say you used to dress like a goth kid and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and. So like you know, people that aren't hanging out at cowboys and right. stuff, or people going didn't to necessarily fit in easily. Right, they, they didn't right. want to go to Nate's. Right, that was the other thing. <laughs> you know, that was right. That was it. Was like a little uh, you know safe haven for for our kind mm. and our ilk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know, every now and then there would be some you know out. Of outliers course. going in there trying to start shit because they probably couldn't start shit at a different uh, establishment. Well, yeah. You know, like, oh, we'll go to Dakota's home and fuck somebody <laughs> up. So there was some people that came in there. Uh, it was just one, it was one guy. And uh, that's what I remember, at least, from, from fuzzy memories. But, um, like, he was, like, physically starting stuff af- with Brian after Brian tried to correct him about handling this bartender and from my fog, uh, foggy, hazy memory, the guy was just being overly flirtatious and trying to grab the girl and mm. stuff. And Brian, Brian, like, didn't mince with that. He was, I mean, right. he was on it really quick. So this whole thing happened really fast. But um, like, the dude started swinging on Brian, and and Brian just a tank. So yep. you know, uh, but and and I never saw him hit people either. And I've seen him bounce for years. Yeah. And he just wouldn't hit people. He just pick them up, pick them up, and move yep. them out of the door, right. throw just them out, put them in a better place. And mm. it didn't. That was the thing because he'd get he'd get wailed on sometimes, and he's just like uh, 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 move them out of the door. Interesting. But this time <laughs> he was so mad because and this was I don't I wish I could remember the girl's name, but. Anyways, just uh, probably better that way. Uh, the, the the guy was swinging on him, and Brian was pissed off already because he was telling him to leave, and he wouldn't. And he was hit, you know, hitting on the girl. And Brian just like, I mean, it was one hit, man. It was just right, bam. And and he knocked. It was as they was walking out the door, and he had him by the shirt, and he was holding him. And as he was walking out the door is when he hit him, and the dude just hit the pavement. Whoa. Yeah. And, and Brian was like, close the door. Everybody yeah. in the bar was kind of like, Ooh. I like how they just closed the door. They're like, the, the the tent will make sure we don't see this guy anymore. Like, he, he's out there. Somebody will take care of him. He'll wake up. 
Interesting. Yeah. He I mean, at that, his biggest, he was 500 pounds. Yeah. So. I remember him being a big guy, and then I'm assuming he must have had surgery or mm-hmm. something. Right? Yeah, he had the, he he had the lap band. He never, yeah, lap band, right. Okay. Yeah, he had it tightened. It wasn't stapled or anything, but it was tightened. And then uh, once he lost all the weight, he had the he had all the slack put back into it. So he had a regular stomach again. It wasn't actually oh, okay. closed off. And so after he lost the weight, that was all him. Like, he kept it off for, oh, right on. for okay. I don't know how long. Gosh, a, a decade, a yeah, little more, um, that he kept it off. Just uh, all he needed was to to not crave as much as his giant stomach made him crave all the oh, time. I see. So once they made it smaller and it, and it and the stomach shrunk naturally and he got used to his he portion had the discipline to do it. Once yeah, he yeah. Got, right. Yeah. It was just it was that it was that urge. Mm-hmm. You know, like like he he, he couldn't get over that. So, you know, you said he did complain about not being able to eat as much. Sometimes he'd be like, I'm, "I just want to eat more, but my stomach's full." Uh, right, right. And I can imagine he'd want to push it. You know, right. you don't want yeah. you don't you don't want to stuff yourself past full. And, yeah. and then end up on that slippery slope back to right you know after all that right work, after sure. all that trouble yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a lot of stuff to go through to get to a certain stage and then to have it slide back he really know. loved his doctor too the guy that oh yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. really yeah i can't remember his name you said a minute ago you know we're talking about this one this is one little piece of brian and i again like i told you i have like these big black holes because i again there's this huge gap of mm-hmm. time where i would just sort of see him but not really know him. we weren't close and which now I feel unlucky, like I'm one of the unlucky ones that didn't get to know him. You right. know? But that was kind of the beautiful thing. Not to rub it in, be. but that is kind of the case. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Anybody, anybody who didn't get didn't get the chance to know him. But we're here right. now, and I think this is kind of either serendipitous or full circle or whatever it is. And I like you serendipity. Get to, you yeah. get to uh, experience that vicariously mm-hmm. through yeah. the people that you're you're hosting. Well, you know, it, it is interesting you say it that way because after so many people brought him up, you know, just little bits here and there for me anyway, one on one talks. That was a feeling. It was just regret. But then I started. I, I'm. Uh, I talk about this a lot on the show. I have this idea that I came across many years ago that I really love. It was the idea of the the bodhisattva with many faces and many arms and and whatever direction you go and whatever you're looking at that individual that being. It had the face that you needed to see, and then whatever was in its arms or in its hands, it had in its hands the thing that you needed. Whoever you were mm-hmm. in your life. Right, and so as I started hearing all these, this big kaleidoscope of stories of Brian, hmm. I was like, "Wow, you know, I, I almost started getting this this picture in my my, my imagination of like a, a saintly type being, and I don't mean saintly as in ah oh, holy perfection. I'm talking right. about the saints of the bar rooms, the saint, of, mm-hmm. the saint of the late night and the wee hours Damn of the right. morning, right. yeah, for sure, Damn right. and then the bodhisattva that shows up as the being you need." For what you need is that accurate? That's, that's you know, a super apt description. Like that's really, really very accurate. Is really really poignant because when I uh, we we put together a house band one time. Now I played in several different bands, mostly house bands with Brian. But there was a song that he wanted to do uh, specifically, and I, I hated him for it because it's uh, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, uh, Bodhisattva. They sing song Bodhisattva. Uh, yeah, I don't know the band, but there is that song. Oh, I would be getting. I'm going to be getting uh, flamed for this one. If any of my friends uh, listen to this, my music friends, um, the uh, song Bodhisattva, which is by. 
Um, Steely Dan. Steely Dan. There thank you. you. Go. <laughs> um, so, so Brian wanted to cover this song, Bodhisattva. I had actually never heard it. I'd listened to Steely Dan. We listened to it on the road a lot with Ryan and Paul, uh, or we listened to a lot of the Steely Dan uh, material. They were very innovative for their time, and Brian liked to tell me all about. It. He was a he was like a walking encyclopedia for me, and he like he Ooh, loved to educate yeah. other musicians oh, yeah. on things that were not want to say lacking, but things that like made you uncomfortable Supplement. as a musician mm-hmm. well it literally make, make made me uncomfortable like music that i'm not really into was something that i had something to learn or gain from mm. so there was this man we were doing and he wanted to do bodhisattva and um there's a guitar solo in there that is just a fucking nightmare i mean it's very difficult and uh and it's just so clean and perfect and pristine it's not my style at all i'm kind of a sloppy guitarist and anyways he was insistent that we do it i was like can we do another song from steely dan he's like nope there's no other song to do (laughs) so uh and i didn't argue with him about it because the rest of the band was like gung-ho about doing bodhisattva and uh so I sat down and I learned that uh, to my uh, dismay, you know, and we finally we played it. And uh, But we never did gig with that band. That band never ended up doing it. But I did learn the song and I, and I grew from it, you know. Mm, I can see right, why, yeah. Right. It's kind of forcing you to be precise and it gives you like that. Yeah, he that. was always doing that shit to, to, to me. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny talking about, I mean, I want to get back around to Brian, this, this Bodhisattva idea with him actually, but just to jump into music, because I'm not like you guys. I don't have like a real dense knowledge. I know what I like and that's kind of broad and all over the place and it changes from day to day but when i was in high school i got into the police and sting oh, and man. i went down that rabbit that was one of his well i found favorites. that out from somebody else because you know i told you there's a huge gap a disconnect yeah. and my friends were like why do you listen to sting it doesn't sound because it was like so far detached sting's music wasn't cool anymore does yeah. that make sense like yeah, he was sure. off doing all this experimental stuff mm-hmm. and i dig it and i've, I've just been following him well you had life, a diehard you know? base of people with the police i mean they were such yeah. a huge thing they were so such a departure from a lot of the rock at the time exactly you know synchronicity was a huge record oh, dude, that's what's Brian in was a radio huge radio fan there. of that whole oh, yeah. album you know spirits in a material world mm-hmm. and, all and, and the, the lyrical content was amazing well the lyrics are incredible oh, the music poet, was man. amazing uh, the, the, the it's a three-piece and when you listen to that band like especially talking about brian as a musician the the, the, the arrangements with a three-piece were just unbelievable. Like, Well, when he passed, somebody had posted that video of him playing Message in a Bottle that's oh, really oh, yeah. just incredible. And uh, I've, been, I've listened to it even today before you guys got here because that's one of my, my favorite songs, the lyrics of that. And I got to thinking about... I was reading the comments and one of the, somebody made a comment in that video that said, uh, don't get Brian started about sting. He wouldn't no, shut up. No. <laughs> and I laughed cause I was like, that's so cool because it made me again, sad and regretful because I was like, man, that was like another little thing that we probably could have sat and had a long conversation. Another layer. About, yeah. 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 Most definitely. No, I didn't like the police. Whenever I first met Brian, I was, you know, I was like Bauhaus, uh, joy division, all that kind of stuff. And, and I, he, and you know, I think, 
this is a theme. He really helped me expand my musical horizons and accept it. And it wasn't that it was just something I would like by default. It was the knowledge that he imparted on uh, me. He gave you that extra. Yes. So it made you go, oh, now I love the story with the mm-hmm. music, right? Yeah. yeah and right. it's probably just because of him. But the <laughs> the other the knowledge about those things, you know, like learning about the complexities. You know, like I'm, I'm not a musician, but I like music. So when I found out like the behind the scenes stuff, I was like, oh, man, that's that's really cool. Right. Yeah. You know, like that yeah. that provides a new respect which led me to enjoy it. And then, you know, he was always playing it or humming it or just whenever he just mess around, that was normally his default. That's and, awesome. and so I got to hear that all, I mean, like a oh, yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting because what you just said could apply to Brian. Yeah. You know, once you, you hear his name, Brian Moore, but then you know the complexities and details, which gets right back around to what we were talking about, him being the saint, of the 3 a.m. saint, you know. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, you that's know. such an apt description. It, it really is. Yeah. Wow. It was everywhere, and the last yeah. time I spent, the last time I remember hanging out with him was it was you and I and Brian and me and Josh and Brian, and it was after a gig. Uh, we went and oh, to Denny's. Yeah, yeah. We went to Denny's. That was, was my that last was a Chuck Fest. Was that after? That Chuck was a Chuck Fest before this last. Oh, one. that's right. Mm-hmm. It sure yeah, was. I did. I was. We were was there all day. The str- so that was a, my yeah, gig was playing on, on the, the fucking on the street. <laughs> We were there all day, and I hadn't seen you all I day. A ride. And it was two a.m., and everybody was done, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And I'm on the street here. playing on. I passed this. I passed this little corner, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many oh, you times. Didn't even I didn't realize he was there. I didn't even see him oh, there, wow. and it was okay. it was all done. And he was like, "I gotta pee. Watch my stuff." <laughs> and, then, and then from there, you know, we went and got got you know drunk food and 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 had. And I remember, I remember, um, I remember we were sitting there, and he said, he said, you know, man, this day's great, but. Um, this is my absolute favorite part of the evening right here, you know, just sitting, sitting post bar and everything and eating, you know, like bacon and eggs and, with his and pancakes mm-hmm. with his friends and, and talking about like life and, and how messed up it is. And, and, mm. and, and sometimes current events, but not even necessarily more existential stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, um, that was, that was, we both shared that that was, I mean, and I'm sure Marcus, I, I'm sure that you're in general yeah. favorite part of the evening too. Um, uh, and Cody, I, I, I don't know. I like I being on stage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and I got, we, we did a lot of that, man. We did a lot of that. We, we used to go to, <laughs> we used to hit up uh, pit grill. Oh, mm. man. we used to hit up pit grill and get a coffee and a buffet. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I mean, my for four or five it. hours, yeah. we would just sit and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. And Back every time, every time they would bring fresh bacon out, we would go and get a plate of fresh bacon. Interesting. And I would man. get a biscuit. He would get just bacon. I would get one single biscuit and also like a half pound of bacon and we would sit and we would eat that and drink more coffee and I mean hours and hours and hours we'd spend there on the like six dollars or whatever it was plus tip <laughs> those things become pretty sacred right because- I, they were always sacred to me I was never ever I was never confused about how amazing those moments were really? uh, not just in in general as well like those those coffee table the coffee table time just the, mm-hmm. the, the existential discussions around um whether it be beers or coffee or you know whatever cigarettes or or, or what have you um coffee and cigarettes that was that was I, I i i structured my entire life around having more of those moments i i, I let so many things go and, and and didn't go here and didn't do that and didn't do specifically to have as much of that as possible and since he was my best friend like a, a huge gigantic like 90 percent of those times were spent with him as well doing that yeah and uh uh yeah i, I always i always just i, I don't want to live with regrets as well i mean obviously we all do but yeah. with as few as possible and then like 
super stoked that that's how I staged like the 20 years that we were together was to have as many of those times as possible. Um, so it wasn't just the, you know, the, the normal times that occurred. Um, when I moved to Baton Rouge like a decade ago, when I'd come into town for holidays, for you know, any, any kind of event, generally one of the things I do is I go to Josh's house. I think it's been consistent, maybe a very few, you know, scarce trips where I was just visiting other family members. And I mean, I, 80 90 percent of the time as soon you know and there'd be times where josh was like oh i haven't seen brian in months you know he's been busy doing stuff but he would reach out to brian and be like hey cody's in town and we it's like getting the gang together we play super smash brothers we'd go out and smoke cigarettes we'd talk and update and hang out in you know your garage area yep. and that was that was like our theme because when we were hanging out at the end of the bayou what well, we were inside playing games but then we'd all go outside take a smoke break uh, right. talk about all kinds of things and it, we were able to sustain that yeah for what I mean I think like that's close to gosh okay I'm 35 now it was like almost two decades yeah. I mean and that that I'm talking about like I knew when I came into town and would go to Josh's house there were a few select people that would be there and Brian unless he was out of town and Brian you know the last one of the last best memories um, was when you finally oh yeah we came to visit whenever as opposed to me coming into Lake Charles and getting to hang out I was like guys you gotta come to Baton Rouge let's party let's hang out and Josh and, and Brian came in and look I'm yeah, gonna yeah, be, he, I was like I was like I'm gonna get Brian he was like okay get Brian well and I'll be looking completely transparent <laughs> I called Brian and he was like oh no this is perfect I'm having such a shitty time this is exactly what I need and I didn't know I needed it and I was like alright get your clothes we're going I'm gonna pick you up in 30 minutes <laughs> and it wasn't just that and so to kind of preface a little bit more like I was dealing with some shit. Uh, yeah, like, that's why I made the trip. Yeah, I, I was, was going like, through. Cody needs friends. Yep. And I called Brian. And Brian was like, all right. He's like, how long do I have or something like that? He's like, do I have enough time to go home <laughs> to and take get a shower and take a shower? And Josh's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, take care of it. And we had such an amazing weekend. And but it was it was like that same kind of thing. Right. Like, we no played matter games how much and, time went by, mm -hmm. we, it was this pocket dimension that yeah. we had created and got right. to relive for two decades. Yeah. It's crazy. That's yeah. interesting, that man. Great. The way you worded that. I mean, I've. Uh, I don't know how the right way to say this, but it's something that I guess I'll just say the way my imagination feels about it. So, would you say that when you guys were together, you, you were all kind of inside Brian's heart, like in it at that moment, and maybe that's why the time was different, like it was isolated? Because some people have that kind of. I feel like right. he had an aura, a massive. Aura, yeah, like you were in his. I mean, when he died, it friends. felt like something had literally left the earth. It was like a it great was, disturbance in the. Force. It was a disturbance mm. in the force. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you were in his field whenever you were with him. Yeah, because that can sure. make time like everybody change was. That's why I feel about it. Everybody was in Brian's world, and, and yeah. he had those different. Like we're talking about, you know, I use pocket dimension, and like you mentioned earlier, he had. Like hundreds of these pocket dimensions. Yeah, you could you could have you could have two hundred people on this on a podcast talk about Brian, and yeah, we yeah. would not know each other. There, right. I mean, like there are some parallels, but like there's a good chance we didn't know half of them. Whenever we went right. to the funeral in the wake, I looked around and I was like, I was like, he's lived hundreds of lives. You yeah. know, I was mm -hmm. like, I, I didn't know half of these people, and some of the younger ones, I almost was jealous because I was like, man, you get to live in Lake Charles and get to hang out with them, and I get to see them once every couple of months if I'm lucky. Um, and and yeah. there's you know getting to know these other people, it was it was astounding but yeah totally it's i would say he was able to not it wasn't just that we were in his heart i think that he was able to share that with all of those different ah. groups of people so when we were together because then you'd notice he and, and he never he was, wasn't different around different people but there were maybe some key things maybe it was inside jokes maybe it was some kind of comfort maybe it was just familiarity like when we were hanging out it was different than whenever we were hanging out with him and other people too. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, mm -hmm. it was something special. Interesting. 
Yeah, I wondered about that because different people that I've talked to, I got the impression that he had this sort of malleable presence to where, you know, he, uh, and I guess the word I would say was like table presence. You know, mm-hmm. he was with you when he was with you. Yes. Right. Does that make sense? Well, you know, I would say that he had this this unchangeable, like, core. Ah. And he was able to adjust some of the onion layers outside of that so that you could better experience it, right? Yep. Because we all have these different experiences and 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 if he wasn't able to do that, you wouldn't be, not everybody would be able to experience him as he is, but mm-hmm. he was able to slightly change seemingly meaningless uh, things so that you were better able to experience that core that was unchanging, that was him. I That's the best way I can mean. maybe describe it. Did, did he, was, I, and I don't know this, so I mean, help me understand, because I, usually people who have this reaction to somebody like him, when you, when you learn about them, you find out that they were very good at like almost sensing like the next level of the conversation to go to. Was he good at that? It was effortless. Yeah. There was no sensing. It was part of who he was. Because yeah, he because just kind he, of fell right there, into yeah, it. Yeah, there was no filter it had to pass through. Okay. Just, there was no discomfort. Just, there was no awkward silence. There was like just pumpkin. pumpkin. Yeah, pump. Oh, jeez, dude. <laughs> What's that? Oh, he shit. used that as a term of endearment quite a bit in pumpkin? the last 10 years of his life, yeah. Well, that's what made me think of whenever you're like, it was there, there was no resistance Resistance, because like it was just like it was like you know uh, literally like your a mother would talk to a child. Oh wow! And like oh, it's okay, baby. You know, like you know, you have a conversation with them, you have an issue. And, um, yeah, me too, Cody. He called. Ever- Sorry, sure. brother. It's okay, man. They mentioned that in the uh, at the funeral. And yeah. It's like we were all. Everyone was connected yeah, in that Garrett. way. It mm-hmm. was. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh man, thank you. Yeah, he got over there. Does anybody else get called pumpkin? And we <laughs> and all just everybody the, the, the entire church erupted with laughter. Really? Because because and that's all he had to say. Anybody else get called pumpkin? And everybody <sighs> just started just belly laughing. Yeah. Because I mean, everybody got called pumpkin. It was just, it was a term of endearment for him, and it made oh, you feel special. Even though everybody they, got called, it, it made yeah, you feel special. <laughs> like you knew, and and you knew other people got called it. It didn't matter. Yeah. I'm curious to wonder if if anybody ever called him that. Like, did he pick that up somewhere from somebody who loved him? I think he, he actually did. He tell us that story once. Like, I, I, I no. Think well, we I mean, I remember. Called. I remember he was. You know, he used to. He used to call people deer or baby or whatever, yep. whatever. And he got in trouble for that at a job. Oh uh, wow! Somebody was like, he's sexually harassing me. Like, what the? <laughs> wow, what? really? Okay, okay, that's fine. So he changed it to Sha. Yeah, he would call uh, you Sha. The good old Cajun. And, and um, uh, because nobody's, you can't take. You can, you oh, you can take you offense to anything now. Right, right. Man. Fair enough. Um, and at some point, Sha morphed into pumpkin. And yeah. I, I don't know um, how that came about. But I'd say the last decade, it was pumpkin. Wow. Huh. Uh, but, but it fit. It worked. Like, Sha wasn't quite. It just didn't quite have the effect I guess he wanted, you know, like they didn't quite hit home. Pumpkin. Um, I, that's odd, man. That's actually, there's only, I've only ever heard that in my life one other time and it's my grandmother and I'm, I'm, she exactly. calls me pumpkin. Yeah. That's why I asked that question. Like, cause when, if I hear it, I'm go see her, you know, tomorrow and that's yeah. what she's going to call me. She's going right. to go, Hey pumpkin. And I just wondered if right. maybe somebody, and it, and it's, there's so much love in that. Yeah. That, it's love. When that's you, when you mean, call like that, a, it's completely disarming. There's right. no negative. Yeah, the, the, the media hasn't picked it up and thrown all kind of negative connotations on, on right. the word pumpkin. And, and 
Yeah. Man, dude, I think it's time to bring that back, actually. <laughs> there we go. I mean, it was really pure. That's beautiful. It was, uh, yeah. it was a way for him to let you know that you were part of his, his pumpkin patch. And he was paying attention patch. to you. I mean, yeah. you know, like when, whenever, if you were, like, you could be hanging out outside the bar or whatever, like, and most of my experience with Brian uh, in the last decade or a decade and a half has been with gigs and playing with him. But, uh, like, you know, before or after a gig, and I see him interact with other people, and, of course, I interact with him musically. But, um, you know, hanging out outside, like, you could tell when the conversation would shift with him, like, when he's talking to people and they were having a hard time. Because, you know, bars, you got girls crying over something sometimes, or you got dudes pissed off. And, you know, if he's outside talking to somebody, and I've seen it where, you know, bandmates are fighting or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can almost, I mean, I could, I could sense and I could see, like, visually see, the moment whenever like he would open his heart like that and 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 the person knew they were being heard right you know yeah so like when yeah. there was a like a a band fight or this actually happened with me once i had a drummer walk out uh because he didn't want to play with a, a guest musician that we had in one of the house bands and i was so pissed off because i was paying this guy 150 dollars you know he was a spot drummer that I called last minute because our other drummer couldn't make it and you know, it was a little more than what I usually pay a drummer. And the, and the fact that he just got up and left because this other guest musician who everyone in the bar really actually enjoyed and liked and no one, in the other, no one else in the band had a problem with her coming up to sing, he just got up. And, and then I asked him also, I asked the drummer if, if he minded if someone else, because if he didn't want to play with this artist, would he at least leave your freaking drumsticks so that someone can come and play oh no that's not happening and i just is so <laughs> so pissed <laughs> and uh so this happened with brian I, I like he was so calm about it and i couldn't uh, I, it, it was disarming like you said uh I, I went outside i was like i was ready to beat this guy up okay i was just straight up ready to, to, to start a fight with this drummer because there had been other things prior to that and i just didn't have anyone else to call and I even offered him the extra money, and then he still burned me like that, and I was just so mad. And Brian, Brian did the whole disarm thing, and I've seen him do that with other people, where you can tell whenever he addresses, he's calm, and he's just like, it's okay, Pumpkin, I'm here to listen to you. Hmm. And it's like the whole environment changed around you. Like I'm in a bar, I'm, I'm like there for money, I'm there to make a, to make a buck, I'm there at a gig. And I, and I also want to have fun because I love music. And I was just so distracted by, by what was going on. And then it just like, he's like, it's okay, man. Like, you know, we'll, we'll get through the next couple of songs and then she'll leave. And then it's all good. And it just totally like I simmered down, you know, but, but that's not, that's not always typical. Like Brian was able to, he liked to do that with people. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Effortlessly. It has that crocodile Dundee effect? He could. Yeah, yeah there right. you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He knew, like you mentioned, he was the the patron saint of 3 a.m. You know, it was. He knew how to handle people. He knew how to talk to them, and because he'd been around in all of these bars for so long, he knew so many people. There was an easy way for him to talk about someone that you were connected to. Yeah. So that way, you made a connection. You were more comfortable with him, and then you would listen to him versus those, you know, what one percent or less. Point zero one percent of people who were just there to start some shit. So you all knew him obviously really well. Is there anything that you learned about him since he's passed that surprised you, or that you just didn't know? 
Not really. Really? I mean, not on my end. It... Hmm. Hmm. No, I can't think of. Um, I learned that his his brothers sound a whole lot like him. Oh, that really? Was probably the only thing. His yeah. Life, yeah. Surprisingly, his, was that sort of the, was that the first time you'd ever met his extended family? I, yeah. I had met them a couple of times, but okay. never for any extended period of time. And there was always something else going on. Um, so, so yeah, after his death was the first time I like really, really actually sat down and, and talked and related to yeah. to his brothers and 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 uh, yeah, that definitely Brian's traits definitely run in the family. Mm-hmm. They don't have it as thick as he did. They don't have the same aura that he does. They, but, but I mean, I mean, even at the worst of times, they're very welcoming, yeah, and very thoughtful. Like they, they, the, the. I've never experienced thoughtlessness mm. with 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 his brothers or his mother or or anything. Like it's it, they're always they it, it, it's they seem unusually eager to make sure you're doing all right. You got a yeah. drink? You doing okay? You met so and so? Do you know these people here? You oh, doing yeah. all right? Do you get some food? Caring, you get... Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, completely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You could see where he, um, where it all affects them. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, and for even sure. Voices that was surreal though. It was like listening to how his brothers <laughs> talking. They sounded so much like him. That's... It was, it was, it was therapeutic, but also absolutely heartbreaking mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. those days afterwards when we were cleaning out the you know his apartment and yeah. and his brothers were there and um, you know listening to them talk. It was God, like man. he was there. Oh, you know? I mean, Christ. not exactly, but it was pretty close. <clears throat> you know? Yeah. Is there? Uh, this may seem like an, a darker question, but I think sometimes it, it can be a sort of a crack into the light here is uh i was wondering if there was anything that he ever told you all that weighed heavy on him that was heavy on him you know because sometimes people who are so giving for so many mm-hmm. you find out that hey I, they're carrying something too that's heavy on their own their heart he was lonely yeah he was was he anybody any any, any, any this may come as a surprise to a lot of people and anybody out there who's feeling lonely just know that like Mm. And it happens to everybody. As many people as he knew, as very close as he was to people, as as much time as he spent with people, he was lonely. Now, that, I think, led to who he was and what he did. Because to fill that void of loneliness, he was always with people. He go. was always, he's like, hey, you want some, you know, coffee? Come on down. Let's just sit on the porch. Let's, you know, this, that, this, that, this, that. Um because when those things weren't going on, I, I think it the loneliness was really almost unbearable for yeah. him. Um, so he spent a lot of time with people, you know, and, 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 it, and it, that, that, well, when he, he wasn't lonely in a big room, I don't think. He was not lonely in a room full of people. He was not lonely even with one other person, one other person sipping coffee, sitting on the porch. He was not lonely. So he didn't, you know, he didn't, he, he wasn't one of those lonely in, 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 at a party kind of guys. Yeah. But whenever that was done, I think it was like stabbingly painful. It's interesting, man, that you say that. And I'm not going to get in too off in the weeds, but you know, before we were rolling, I told you about a guest who came on and had revealed some really hurt, painful things that was going on in her life. She's also somebody who had shared a lot about Brian, you know, off, off pod, but um, Mm. she said something so similar. It's so Mm -hmm. odd, the connection, because she said that she also is extremely lonely and what she said she and i just man it made me weep i mean at the table with her she said i go home and i just pray that god just give me somebody to serve 
I don't care if they just need somebody to talk to, if they need me to just bring them somewhere, if they need me to bring them a meal, if they just need me to come over for 10 minutes and get them off the edge. I just pray to be able to serve people because it takes my loneliness away. Yeah. And it's interesting because hearing y'all say that about his loneliness, I mean, sometimes that's what it is. There's like this little engine that that, that inside of someone that their, their pain is almost the wick to their whole compassion, you know? So it sounds like he was there for so many people, but maybe that loneliness deep at the center possibly was what was doing oh, for that, sure. you know? Oh, yeah. If he yeah. didn't need to fill that void, he would not have been out doing the things that he was doing. Very as interesting. Much. Yeah. But, you know, and the, the way he filled it by being so interested in other people, like, yeah. you know, it wasn't about his pain or his, 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 what he was going through. He would just, he just, once, once he was there and he was talking to you about whatever, whether you're having a bad time, a good time, or like I said, all the existential conversations, yeah. that was, that was it. That was all he needed to fill that void. And he was, he was great. He didn't have to sit and talk about himself and tell you about this and tell you about that. He, he just, he just, he had a hole and, and it was filled pretty easily just by you being there, just by you being you. You know, was, was it amazing. love? Y'all felt like it was love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved very passionately, yeah. very strongly, with his whole body, his whole heart, his whole soul. He loved you with every. When he loved you, he loved you with every part of himself, and for sure. And I'm happy. I know it. I'm I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well, it's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world, even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to the B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. That's patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Now, back to the episode. So y'all brought up these existential conversations. Are there any of those that stand out that you've had with Brian that's just like, oh man, this one right here, this is the thing, or, or maybe recurring themes in mm -hmm. some of those conversations? More so in his, uh, in his, you know, since you asked about. Uh, when you asked us if there's anything we learned about Brian since his passing, I've been sitting here and there's just been waves and oh, waves yeah. and waves of, of shit. Really? Uh, what I'm think, what I've been thinking about is, you know, not necessarily we, we didn't have these conversations, uh, but we Brian and I connected with music, and I music is my religion. Okay, like I, it is the thing that I have used since I was a child. 
to escape from some of the harsh realities that I've experienced. And it is it is my religion, you know. And we connected uh, with music. Uh, uh, I, I'll say that. I'll say that it when I connect to someone with music, it's it's deep in a very special way. You know, uh, there's only so many people that I can uh, be open with, uh, like just using my voice that uh, compares to the connection that can happen musically. Um, so we shared that. But uh, the after his passing and thinking about just his, I'll use this word, uh, uh the way his beingness the way that he was right and i look at the years that have passed and how he interacted with people and like just a flood of memories a flood of all the memories at kd's and all the gigs and uh, uh how he was as a person how he would be as a person uh, and, and hearing Josh speak about his loneliness um, and, and just feeling uh, and having myself felt uh, isolated from people, even though you're right next to someone, the, the, the feeling of isolation and uh, loneliness, regardless of how much someone is willing to, to be there with you and be, and be a loving friend. And uh, I feel like he got that on a very deep level, and I feel like uh, whether we spoke about it or not, um, his willingness to be mindful of ev and be thankful of everything that he has and all of his friends uh, is something that uh, I can honestly say I think I sort of uh, glazed over while he was alive, and as since he's passed, uh, realized that you know just seeing the the effect. Whenever he when his funeral happened, I, I was on my way to Sacramento. And it literally felt like when I was taking off, I was leaving a blast zone, like a, a nuclear blast yeah. zone. And uh, Josh was incredibly tore up about it, and I it brought us, it brought me and Josh closer together than we have been in years. And I'm super thankful for that. But that's what came to my mind when you asked about uh, if there's anything he taught us uh, or anything we feel like we learned after he died about him uh, is that. I feel like his uh, whether whether it was spoken or not, uh, my observations and my experience with him indicates to me that he was a very mindful person, and no matter what his suffering was, he was still willing to uh, to share. Uh, he was still willing to, uh, regardless of how he was feeling, to. Uh, because he knows how it feels. Because he knows how it feels to feel completely, utterly alone. And, and right, yeah. And he wanted to give solace. He wanted to like, give that oh, yeah. to others because mm -hmm. he doesn't. He didn't want you to have to feel that way either. That's man. That's uh, true compassion uh, to suffer with. You mm -hmm. know. I mean. Oh yeah. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, it gets back to that idea of being a bodhisattva. You know that that concept <laughs> is what it, I'm hearing is that he literally was for people what they needed him to be for sure and he suffered with you know because mm -hmm. he, he understood that he had his own loneliness right i wouldn't i didn't know that honestly and honestly it doesn't surprise me but it's actually painfully beautiful i think it's right you know, i mean it's rough to think of somebody like that being lonely yeah you know yeah it's not something 
Mm. It's not something that would occur to you just yeah. by hanging out with him and just by, you know, like it's like like we've said, he had so many, so many, so many friends, mm-hmm. so many close people who were close to him, so many people who shared stuff with him that they never share with anybody else. You yeah, know? and 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 yeah. <laughs> to to lighten the mood here a little bit, um, I've never had such well packed cigarettes in my life. Other than <laughs> when Brian would pack them on his stomach. Oh yeah, when he was a big boy, he used to. <laughs> he would, he'd get them from you when you showed oh, up with a with a full pack. That he'd, they, he'd see the cellophane wasn't off when you pulled it out of your I've pocket. I've seen like, him doing that. You want to pack, pack those for you? <laughs> yeah, I've seen him doing that. <laughs> I, and I've never since then um, never had one as well packed as Brian. Yeah, I bet that with the presence, it sounds like he carried for people who knew him. I'm sure those spaces where you communed with him have his spirit there. Everywhere, oh, you know, it's, everywhere. It's like yeah, you know, it was all over the city. Fill him in the area. Yeah, I'm sure at Chuck Fest, it's like that. I had to Every leave bar. Chuck Fest for about an hour. I had to walk yeah. down to the seawall by myself. You know, I just. It was, it was too much. It's like walking on the ghost. Yeah, I bet. Uh, 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 I just wanted to scream at the ghost. Just yeah. Fucking say something. Say something. <laughs> yeah. I need more than just to feel the weight. Come on. Yeah. Give yeah. me a jibe. Give me a give me a joke. Give me a give me a hug. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. I had to I had to walk away and and sit and meditate by the seawall for an hour and kind of gather my myself back together before I could go back because this last one I mean was the first one without him. Mm-hmm. You know? Have have you had any experiences, any of you, where you just feel like that comforter though around you sometimes, and in, in sort of yeah. go, oh, that's yes. that's Brian's oh, for presence. Sure. Yeah, I had that yeah. a lot after when I went, when I got to Sacramento. I had that quite a, quite a bit. I'd actually called Josh and texted him. We had a, several conversations about it, and I felt Brian near and around, and mm. very I, strongly, very strongly. I had somebody who uh, I, I'm, I won't go too far into that. It's not for me to share, but uh, tell me that they've had that experience and uh, actually painted an image of him. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, and they were going through something really, really hard. The one of the hardest things a person can go through, and, and they brought it up and they showed me the painting, and I was like, "Huh, it's interesting." I mean, it is interesting and fascinating because that love comes through, you know. Even when the, the, the flesh is sort of not around to do it, the, right. the love is still a, a force, an energy that of his. Yeah, it's that, energy. I mean, if it's been put out in there, I mean, it doesn't go away, right? Yeah. The energy doesn't go away. Yeah. yeah it seems like his love was palpable. I mean, you can destroy yeah. stuff, and it's just, it's just in another form. Right. We had a, a, I mean, I took a week off work when that happened, and Joshua let me know, and I drove in town, and we had a lot of people flying in from all over the country, and... Um, it was it was we were all there and it was like we were back together before everyone kind of separated and a lot of that was hurricane rita kind of was the catalyst for many people to move away mm. at least from our friend group and then in a different era kind of happened but all of everybody came back and um josh had like a a, a week-long wake at his house yeah and oh. yeah that was crazy yeah that was i actually crazy. had a fire that didn't stop burning for two months oh uh, yeah yeah i just kept stoking it from the coals when it rained i'd take some of the coals and hide them and I would call that marathon grieving. Oh, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was I, necessary. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, completely, completely. And I got a reprieve for a few months, and then when I hit the six month mark, like I didn't even realize it. My body was like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, it's been six months. Yeah. Something's missing." Mm. And I got super depressed. And I realized that after a month, what was going on? It didn't help the depression. Yeah. And, uh, and then I had another, another several month, uh, you know, long dark 
phase that I've only recently come out of. It was, really? it was rough for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lots. Of, I mean, just just all the colors drain from me. You know, just nothing is that. just just trying to chug through. You know, doing what I have to do, feeding everybody, getting yeah. stuff done. But other than that, like no joie de vie. You know, no like oh I'm gonna do this and have fun and you know that that no. oh oh my gosh yeah. 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 You gotta find, but I mean, it. you just gotta yeah. trudge through it. You know, I mean, I didn't ignore it. I'm not gonna ignore it. You know, that's the worst thing you can do. So, you just acknowledge your feelings and and surround yourself with people who you care about and yeah. you know, food. You know, try to hit those uh, those uh, those buttons with drink and food and whatnot. Try not to get too lost in it and make your way out the other side. You know, it's interesting you talking about that. I, the way you're describing it, it reminds me of something I heard this, this woman the other day talk about her losing her father. Uh, and they knew he was dying, so they had the time to prepare. But mm-hmm. he, you know, was getting close. And and what he told her, I was like, wow, that's that's really beautiful. And she said it stuck with her. She he, he told her that when he dies, it's going to be rough. He said it's about to get rough, you know, because we know I'm dying. He said things are about to get really hard. He said, but when when you feel that pain or that loss, let yourself feel every bit of it. He said because that's how you know how much love you got to experience with me the amount of pain is equal to the love and i was like man that's interesting that's an indic that your pain is an indicator of the amount of love that you had with somebody on uh so on more than one occasion brian told me at least two or three times in our friendship you know usually late at night always late at night He's come out of nowhere. He said, he would say, he said, you know, he said, Josh, I'm going to go before you do. Hmm. He said, and I'm sorry. He said, I can't help it. I'm sorry. And I don't want you to be sad. He said, but I can't help that either. And I know that you're going to be sad. But you go ahead and be sad. He said, but don't worry about me. He said, you be sad, but don't worry. He said, because I'm going to be okay. And that was just, I mean, that's amazing to me. The man would apologize to me for his own death <laughs> ahead of time. Didn't Sorry, bro. To, I'm going to leave you, to you in the suffer. lurch. There's nothing you can do. Nothing I can do. Mm. Just don't throw worry on top of the pain, right? Mm. And he knew. Yeah. How long before before he passed that he had told you that was that oh it had been years before the last time he told well before his surgery I mean he was looking at the writing on the wall the doctors were telling him he was a two pack a day smoker 500 pounds yeah they were like you don't make it you don't make it to 50 doing those two Uh, things I remember him saying you know he wasn't going to make another year or two right you know if he didn't get the surgery and stuff and that's why I say he really loved his doctor when he finally was able to get stuff done yeah I don't remember his name, but anyways, he was very uh, thankful that he found a doctor that was like, because I mean, I can the doctor imagine. took payments. That was what it was. Yeah. He, the doctor was not only a good guy, he not only did a, a good job and was compassionate and was thoughtful, but right. also Brian just had to come up with a down payment to get it done. Oh, the right. doctor okay. was like, you give me the down payment, we're going to get you because we need to get this done as soon as we can. Yeah. And so Brian would make monthly installments. I see. So so he did have an, so uh, before the surgery, there was like a, almost like a haunting, like in the back of his mind. Oh, it was mortality oh, yeah. knocking on yeah. the door, right. man, for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. And then. 
and, and you can imagine like doctors uh, I've experienced this too but you, you go to a doctor you have some unhealthy habit or whatever and sometimes doctors can just have no they call it bedside manner but I just sometimes it's just rude you know it's just like yeah. yeah well you know you're just gonna you're just screwed I guess you know kind of that attitude and right. imagine Brian 500 pounds and, and smoker they're just like you know, act like he's an idiot or something because he's his lifestyle choices uh-huh. or whatever. And I can totally see him like being hurt by that. Oh yeah, and being very thankful when he found a doctor that wasn't a complete dick about yeah. that yeah. sort of stuff and was going to help him. There's nothing like a compassionate doctor. I mean, because I've been through something similar where it was like a chronic thing, a 17 year thing that you're dealing with, and you're going nobody cares the doctors right. don't care they're just feeding you through the system mm-hmm. and you finally get one that goes we're going to fix this he was super excited yeah. i mean he was super stoked yeah. he was wow he was really happy like i remember when i when i saw him afterwards and everything there was a a certain you know, weight lifted off of him but <laughs> he was right. he, he was even more jovial you know it yeah. was it was weird to think that because he, he had was, hope again he did right i think that was really what it was oh, i mean he didn't he definitely peeled some extra years out of the out of the back end there sure. i think by he, getting I that think surgery he, done. i think he got a lot yeah the mileage after that i mean mm-hmm. it was there was a, a couple of times where at dakota's where he had to get hauled off in an ambulance I mean, you know, really? Just, yeah, just his heart. I think he thought he was having a heart attack or something. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's interesting because I guess my memories of him were all, like I said, they were from when I, we were kids. And then he was always a bigger guy. And then in uh, at KD's, when I worked there, he was a bigger guy. So I didn't see him, after, you know, until he, I'd see him perform. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, I didn't even know he was into music. Honestly, I'm telling you, because in high school, I didn't. <laughs> we just, I didn't know. Well, he was in the show choir at uh, Sulphur High, wasn't he? I mean, he was playing in bars since he was like 12. Yeah, yeah. He was, back when all, all he could do was walk to the stage with yeah. the equipment, play, and then walk from the stage to the door. They stopped leave. that whenever. Uh, yeah, I think when I was 17, because I was able to play a couple bars like that yeah. too. Yeah, I remember I saw him at Carr's Cafe. I remember. Carl's. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. There yeah. was like a poetry night. <laughs> Trip was to supposed to be here, music. man. That would have been great because you can yeah. talk about cars because oh, yeah. uh, him and him and trip used to do uh double bill bass soloists <laughs> <laughs> it's like well what are you doing friday night i'm going to see two solo bass players yeah All I, right. I think i might have went to something like that because i remember going oh wow man he's really good i, I didn't know you know but yeah. we didn't talk it was again it was one of those things where you you know each other and you you know circumstance changes things i guess yeah. sometimes it's like oh we know each other and then whatever happens in life you're like oh hey i know you you know me you know, but see each other close. in kroger yeah right right yeah <laughs> and i know well, i was really kind of overwhelmed when i i saw this eruption that happened you know then that was what it felt like it was just this yeah. eruption in in the online world and and obviously the real world too but on online i went whoa the online just a reflection of what happened in the real world yeah it was just a huge eruption of just emotion and and sorrow and stories and Mm -hmm. you know uh the wake it was weird because for me it was like i saw people that i hadn't seen in 20 years yeah yep that was was for everybody i think yeah people people brought people together to come back for Brian's yeah. funeral, and I mean, it was a, a point where I even there was a I, like I was like I'm taking this time off, and I told some of the people I was working with I was like I don't know when I'm coming back, you know I was like I don't I really don't know how much time I need, and it was um <clears throat> and it was about a whole week, you know yeah. like oh, yeah. I I 
for sure. And I still, and it was hard to it was hard to leave. Oh, I know man. it was. Fuck, it was Even hard for me to leave. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I didn't get to go to the funeral. I had to go to yeah. California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sucked. Yeah. No, I remember. I remember us talking about how terrible that was. We saw you briefly, and then yeah, I think you. Yeah. Were. I mean, yeah. The the, the that, it was a day night. or two days or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, rabble, rabble. <laughs> right, right, right. And this may, right. may be hard to, to answer, but, you know, like with my father when he passed away, there were these sort of uh, high idea things that I would remember, things he'd say, or if I could sum it up and I go, oh, this is, if I could tell you one thing that he said to me that captures him, right? Or sort of, in, it puts it in a little bottle for you. Is there anything like that for each of you with Brian? Like something that you just go, oh, this is this is the thing that I remember him saying that just sticky, that glue on it. It's funny that none of them are coming to mind because he had a dozen catchphrases. Gosh, I mean, I, I mean, the man had some here. catchphrases. Things that you he, go, that's a Brianism right yeah. there. Yeah, and you would roll your eyes when you'd hear it, ah. and maybe <laughs> sigh. If, because because he would he would wear them into the ground and then beyond the ground and then they would they would they would find their place at the center of the earth and that's where they would be, um, and 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 I I I, I un, it's unbelievable that I am coming up dry right now because because he had so many of them. I feel like we've also mentally exhausted ourselves to this point and then it's starting to get a little harder to, to pick away those key key moments because we're looking at like i think the bigger picture or the full breadth of what was going on yeah but no you're totally right, Josh you, is right. you never you never needed to make mental no. pathways to remember them because he would bring there. them up he would like always. it's in my head somewhere i don't have a path to get to that catchphrase because like Gosh. i'm never gonna say it because he said it so much and <laughs> so so he was he was the pathway to those catchphrases that makes sense. i would hear him say it I'm like ah, yeah six thousand time I've heard you say that. Yeah, well, my, years. it was the same thing with um, my father. It was like I had to, I had to be. They had to to use that word again. They had to be restimulated mm-hmm. by something. It would be, right. I'd be in a place or a circumstance would come up, and I go, "Oh, Dad used to say this," yeah. and it would just take those elements to trigger that memory, and it would just draw forth, you know. So mm-hmm. I get right. what you mean about because there was there are some people who are just so bombastic and and of rich character and have had these sort of robust lives that you just go. How do I even pull a thing out of here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. Well, what about um, what about last memories? I mean, things that, that the last time that you rem- that you can recall your last experience with Brian, you know, before he passed. It's just this is a late night stuff. Normal. Just sitting in his house, just yeah. me and him. And when it came to the last years, you know, I mean, I've been, I'm, 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 I'm a homemaker. I raise kids. I homeschool my two youngest right now. I've homeschooled all of them on and off. Wow. Um, and uh, and so I, I, you know, for the last, you know, ten years of our friendship, I didn't get to see him near as much as the the first ten years, of course, because I got this whole family thing going on. Um, so when I would see him once a month. I would, uh, we, he would, it was just me and him at his house. Okay. It was rare that we would ever go out because we saw each other, each other so infrequently for us that usually there wouldn't be other people around. So yeah. that's my last memory. I was just sitting around normal, you know, listening to music, smoking. We, we, we take turns putting stuff on, on like on the, uh, on the YouTubes yeah. um, <laughs> or, or stuff that we had brought over. Uh, um, 
and just talking about life. Yeah. You know, just talking, we'd start off talking about how we each are, but th- that would never last very long. And then we just get into the, the general, like, it's comfortable. What, what, you know, yeah. What are yeah. we doing here? What are we doing here? Why are we here? You know, what, what, how can we make our experiences better? How can we make other people's experiences better? What does the world need? What do we, you know, cause I mean, you can't really contribute too much as one person. I mean, some people are lucky enough to have the right personality and be in the right place where they can actually contribute a whole lot. Right. But mm-hmm. most of us, most of us that we might have the capacity to, to do something great. You just, you're not geared for it. Your life hasn't prepared you for that. And you're not in the right, you know, not, not just personally and emotionally, but you're not in the right place to, to put forth all that effort. I mean, you can make, um, so yeah, just that. I got that, a couple that's of, what we would do. there's yes. like, um, some, some memories that come to mind. Uh, there was a, uh, what was it? Uh, it was called the all American acoustic throwdown, uh, a guy named Shane Johnson, uh, this is so funny. A lot of my biological family, we all have different last names, but we're all literally blood related and we should have the last name Lafleur. Huh. But um, he put on this uh, this event and Brian was super supportive of it, uh, but my cousin had never put on a, 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 an event like this before. It was over at Chicago's and uh, it was he wanted to do it all acoustic and uh, I, was, I, I, I warned him against it because I've done a lot of audio production and stuff and it's a nightmare to uh to do an acoustic set especially when you got 400 watts uh, uh monitors right in front of you with people with acoustic guitars it's just going to resonate so uh but that whole night brian this is just a funny thing it's not like any long story but brian was standing in a puddle by the air conditioner because the air conditioner was leaking and all of his his whole base rig was like uh, wet all right so it was a very bad electrical hazard <laughs> and he just was standing there all night playing bass with like and there was like a, a big rotating thing it was like tracy mcginnis and uh lauren cooper and uh, uh chad marino and uh just a whole bunch of uh, uh like uh people from different bands and uh, at one point, we all, I looked over and, and Lauren Cooper, like everyone throughout the night was kind of like, they'd look over and be like, uh, Brian, why, uh, why are you standing in a puddle? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, if I die, I die. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, do, I'll die going, doing, going out doing what I love. So that, that was that. Um, and uh, I just thought that was funny. Brian in a puddle. Yeah, the yeah. whole time. That's interesting. He's, Brian, Josh, if you missed that, Brian was in a puddle, uh, standing in a puddle with his amp, like in the in the power supply in water for an entire gig <laughs> for like three hours. And, and we kept trying to tell him, like, you know, we can clean it up or whatever. And, and, and he's like, nah, fuck it. It's like, you know, if I die, I die. It's cool. <laughs> At least I'll go out on stage playing music. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he had kind of a cavalier attitude about that kind of thing, huh? A little bit. Time, well, when, time. He's on, we, well yeah. when, we're, when we're on stage together, 
Those are some of the best times ever, really. It's, and I love playing with other musicians as well. It's just this like camaraderie that you can't really describe. Like when you go out, it's kind of like uh, I would I would compare it to what I have heard comedians describe, where you get out there so many times and you bomb and you suck and you just suck. Like you just suck so bad for so long that you just finally are like, screw it. Like I'm up right. here and I'm doing it. And uh, you do that as a group though with a band. So it's like everyone on stage is just like, yeah, you know, if you screw up royally, like here's here's a here's a really good thing that I think a lot of musicians if they if they listen to this podcast will definitely agree with and want it and want me to to say is that uh, if you played with Brian and you felt like you screwed up and you didn't do very well because Brian actually uh, uh, gave a lot of people uh, some some limelight, you know, he would share his limelight. Um, or he would encourage you to get up into the limelight. Uh, so, like, you know, you played like a blues, uh, you go up and you sit in with him and, and uh, say Ross or Lingus or whatever, and you go, you know, you say you bomb, all right? I'm not talking about myself here, that didn't happen. But, um, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, he would, he would uh, it was just like, just like, yeah, it's all good, man. Like, you know, you're playing music. Like, who else can get up and, and come and play? Yeah. Like, you had the balls to get up here and play. And um, and then after the show, like, he'd, uh, you, he'd sit outside and talk about music, just like he, him and Josh would do at home. He'd, like, swapping records, you know, just talk about what's good and what's not, what is hip. Uh, that was part of the reason, uh, well, the reason that uh, when we did the or whoever put put on the uh, memorial thing, the first one over at Rick and Jack's. I, uh, yeah, that was that was a really emotional time. But I I, I wanted to do the sissy strut because uh, that was one of the tunes a long time ago that he he was like, you know, you need to you need to learn that. Like that's a standard. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was what that was the first tune that I wanted to do um, when we played, and I think that. Uh, I think that, that that was well received with everybody. You know, it was a real New mm-hmm. Orleans, and Brian loved New Orleans. He loved the funk. He loved that style. Oh yeah, uh, that song is Lingus. Right if you haven't right heard here. Lingus, you should definitely check Lingus For out. Sure. Um, very much uh, New Orleans Southern rock blues inspired. Uh, he had a groove uh, in that. You know, we, we didn't we didn't spend a lot of time talking about his bass playing, but let me tell you, as a bass player, there was not many not many bass players around here, including Trip himself, that couldn't say that he did not have one of the funkiest, nastiest, oh, yeah. <clears throat> greasiest mm-hmm. bass tones oh, and yeah. style in this uh, in this whole area and and the thing is he was actually a world-class bass player and world-class musician too he could have gone anywhere and and made it for himself but this is something that josh and i had a discussion about uh last year was that you know he never did he wanted to be around his friends he wanted to share with the people that he loved he talked about it a lot man i gotta get out of here i'm gonna get out of here six months i've got a plan yeah. I can't tell you how many times he told me that. Really? Oh, and I was always very supportive. Extremely. Yes, man, go ahead. Yeah, get out of here. He loved New Orleans. He wanted to go back to New Orleans. But he, he, he wanted to get out of the air, but he never could because he, 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 he had so many friends here. And he had, he, had, he had so, so many relationships here that he, no matter how much objectively he wanted to move to a different place. 
you know, with more opportunities uh, musically and, and really <laughs> in, in every other aspect than, than Lake Charles and Sulphur had. Um, he could never bring himself to do it. When he was younger, he did it for, you know, short periods of time, six months, a year, maybe. But um, he always ended up coming back because that's, in the end, at his core, that's what mattered the most mm. to him. Yeah. You know, even though he could have gone to any city and within, like I said, when I, you know, when I moved up with him, he already had, he already had friends up there and everything. Like he, he could go to any city and immediately have a new core group of people who were like really great, fun to hang out with places to go. People who knew him everywhere. I mean, he was in a, he'd be in a city for two months and every, and every bar he's going to go into, somebody's going to shout his name when he comes in. Yeah. At least one person. It's interesting. Usually a handful. You don't meet many people who are, uh, who have kind of defeated or subdued the ego that that much, but that's what it sounds like. I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about his uh, mindfulness, right, and his pain, his deep, deep pain. Like he doesn't, he didn't want anyone to experience that, and I think that that is really what I learned, you know, after he passed, you know, and it's like I, I kind of felt like I already knew that, but whenever he, whenever he, when he died, the 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 ripple effect, you know. The seeing that 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 uh, that wave, you know, just every all the people mm -hmm. and 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 the reaction and uh, explosion on the social media. And it's just like um, I feel like he did. I feel like he did defeat a lot yeah. within himself, a ton. Right. Like what we, what a lot of people could aspire to, and that's you know. The whole be more thing. That's what that means to me, at least. You know, when we went over, to, Josh called me the night that the coroner was at the. And I was in town for I don't I don't know. This last three years I've, I've been scattered for me. I've been I've just been on the road sleeping on couches. So, but I was in town and 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 Josh called me and I went and met Josh over at the, a friend of ours house and. Yeah. We were waiting for the coroner to leave and all this stuff. We we're going to go and, and go through some of the effects. Um, and, uh, geez, I, uh, I think that, uh, his, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I completely lost. Because his roommate had found him. His roommate had found him. He was sick. Yeah. Brian was sick. So, yeah, two days before, I told him he got it coming out of both ends. Oh, yeah, um, like a stomach virus yeah. type of and, thing. And, yeah, and I mean, his heart was already not terribly strong, you know, yeah. it, it, genetically. And then also with all the stress he had put on it through his lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, coming out of both ends, he had a sickness. He was dehydrated. And that was just the last straw. You know, it would have been something. It would have been something in the next couple of years. Had that not one thing, you know, mm. had that one thing not hit him, his heart would have given out at another uh, moment. It just happened to be. It just happened to be. So his roommate found him. And then they, they, they called me up. And, and I, I was just laying down in bed. And uh, I mean, as soon as, as soon as I picked up the phone, I was like, who's dead? You knew who's dead, and 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 they were they were they were kind of, are you, yeah, you got your wife home, you know. Everybody wanted to make sure everyone's driving, you know, or, or something, right? Because you never know what what right. how somebody's going to react. Like and even you personally don't know how you're going to react to some news like right. that. I said, yes, they hear. Stop. Who's dead? Tell me right now. And I'm cursing out of a storm actually while I'm saying who's dead. And then that's when that's when I found out. And I had and I had to go. I had to go wake up his mother. I had to go tell his mother. And then we. uh uh, that's when I called a few other select friends and, and, and we got together to kind of start drinking and, um, wait for the, the coroner to pick him up. 
And are you, you know where you want to be right now? Yes. Yeah, Thank you for yeah. jumping in because, uh, okay, that, it was one of those friends that mm-hmm. said, uh, like, we were, and it was a very weird, I mean, uh, it's just, it was, to me, it was just a very odd vibe going on because we were just so shocked. I mean, it's just We're shocked. all right. It's like we just stormed the beach. Yeah. And, and like, and like, you just watched all this horribleness happen and now you're on the other side of the beach and like, you're okay right now. I mean, but I mean, you're, you're not, okay as you're going to be. Not okay. yeah, yeah, everyone's like, we're <laughs> making small talk and shit. But one of the guys said something about uh, be more, and it just kind of kept repeating. It was like, be more, be more. And that got stuck in my head. I was like, and be more. And then it more, got picked up on Facebook more. like a few hours later. <laughs> well, and then someone, uh, I, I said it on Facebook. Okay. I said, uh, you know, uh, hashtag be more or whatever. But I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I, but I told, I said, I stole it from that guy's name. And I can't remember his name. I said, I stole this from somebody. I think that's kind of cool. Be more. And then Amy, your wife, uh-huh. is like, I stole this from Marcus, who stole it from so-and-so. And then there was another person who did, I stole it from Amy, who stole it from Marcus, who stole it uh-huh. from so-and-so. And it was just like this Slid thing. And, and, then, and then the picture came up. Like a Jim. The one that Jim did? Yeah, Jim yeah, yeah, did he brought, he brought Yeah, he brought that over to the house like the this, the the second or third day after Brian's passing on at one of the, one so of the, the big being, gatherings. Yeah, and it was like the... the iconic picture of him oh, yeah. playing the bass with yeah. the cigarette hanging out of his mm-hmm. mouth yeah. and it had said be more underneath it and be Josh more has like that, Brian Moore be more like Brian Moore mm-hmm. right yeah and yeah, he brought over a framed one for me that was very thoughtful oh it's beautiful it's beautiful and and at uh last night when I was at the uh, at bar downtown uh the uh I want to say the Palomino but it's not the Palomino it's the uh it's that old burger joint that they 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 took the sign from the oh, burger oh, yeah. panorama panorama. There is a uh, engraved clock with Brian's face on it. Yeah, yeah. And it says hashtag B. Uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a it's it's a snare drum, isn't it? But they might have one of those too. This is like a clock, and it's backlit, and it's oh, got a it's well, like the, yeah. a pumpkin. He's oh, got a wow. pumpkin in engraved with his mm-hmm. face. It's like he's huh. in a pumpkin. I guess they maybe did it for Halloween or something. That's interesting. And it's got hashtag be more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Panorama has stuff. his uh, Stratocaster. Yeah, uh, that that the guitar that's next to that, what you're talking about, is yeah, that is they 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 uh, put that together at oh I don't know the, the Mayor's Award Music Award oh, what was that something thing or other that they just recently did. They gave they honored him posthumously. They they have that was a day, that was what it was. Right? So there's, there's 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 a yearly something to do. It's it's, it's a mayor's award for the Lake Charles uh, Arts. Scene. Was it the art? Yeah, because they just had the, the mayor's arts it, awards. Yeah, is what it is right. And him, that's when yeah. it was. Yeah, and okay. and and uh, I was up there uh, with Amy, and then his his family was up there as well. Uh, and 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 he wasn't the only one being uh, mm-hmm. who who had gotten an award. Um, was that this when, last one that they did just mm-hmm. recently? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was okay. just like a month ago or whatever it was. Okay, I didn't realize the 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 one of the casinos yeah. uh, is where the, at the banquet hall is where it was. And, um, yeah, they honored him, uh, posthumously at, at that. And that's when they revealed the, the, like you're talking about the backlit image of him oh, and okay. the Stratocaster, which, uh, um, which his family donated, uh, mm-hmm. to be up there on the wall. And, uh, I feel needs to be played, uh, at least in the celebration of his birthday on his birthday or the celebration of his death. I yeah. believe that everybody needs to go to Panorama and, um, that guitar needs to be tuned up and played because it definitely doesn't need to languish. His bass is going to family right. like, who, who plays bass. And so it'll be played. It'll continue. On. Yeah. But that, that thing to be that, played. Right, no, uh, you cannot, you can't eat. There is no way to keep an instrument going. 
It's not without good. playing it. No, it's no you not. you actually even if even if it's just sitting in a case twice a year, you have to take it out and you have right. to tune it up and you have to play it, or else it's going to go to shit. And a couple of years later, it just won't be the same as it was. Ten years later, it'll be crap. Right. So if not less, no, sometime. I definitely feel that needs to happen for sure. Does anybody have, having have the that anniversary of his? Um, I mean, I know Frankie who owns the place, but uh, no, I haven't had that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, DC's managing there, and uh, oh, is and he? So is, uh, okay. uh, Justin's the night manager, and so I mean, it'll, I think it'll get done. I mean, I, I, I I'll, I will. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. You know, I mean, I don't think it'll take more than a couple of months ahead of time. Just talking to some people and setting aside. Yeah, that's, a I, I, that would be but an awesome for sure. Tribute, I think, man, yeah. And that's just sounds. all it needs to be. It needs to be just like, you know, the stage is dedicated to honoring him and people just play. Yeah. yeah people play, you know, whatever. whatever. Play whatever. Whoever, whatever. He liked yeah. everything. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. That's, that'd be great. He'd come and see metal shows, you know, but I'll definitely let you know uh, if I start gathering some strings together. Yeah. Getting something going because uh, that would be cool, man. I want to really. make sure it happens for yeah. sure. We have the anniversary of his death coming up in some months. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's kind of what you had said when you were trying to organize this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's coming up, so it'd be a good time. Yeah, a good to, time to, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm actually glad that uh, the time has passed. I mean, you know, I was trying to put that together last year. You know, for me, I, and this is, again, I didn't, there was that huge gap of time with me and Brian. But at that time when he died, um I was going through some rough stuff with uh, kind of some rough stuff with an individual that I thought was a friend of mine that had kind of hurt my family. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really, really bad, bad stuff going on. And I was trying to live by what I consider my core principles, you know, and do the peaceful thing and be a peacemaker and, and really apply those things that I believed in. Sometimes that shit don't work. And, it, and, I, and I learned. And honestly, <laughs> it would only take you so far sometimes. I yeah. learned that it and in a thought that it would and it didn't it actually led to more uh actual violence and so what was strange is the night of his wake you know i i i I hadn't spoken to him in a decade but Mm -hmm. i just it was on my heart like really heavy i was like i the the pencil (laughs) i mean immediately i told my wife i said i know this is my big memory with brian i said but it's such a pointed no pun intended <laughs> memory mm-hmm. it's so sharp from my childhood and, and it and it kind of framed certain things in my life it's like i just feel like i should go and kind of just offer my prayers and tribute and and just be there with his in in that presence of all those people and when i got there the person that i was having that violent altercation with was actually there too and it was kind of for me, as I, I consider myself a contemplative person, I thought the irony, and as I was sitting there at his wake, I was contemplating the irony of how my, my most sharp memory of Brian had to do with a violent kind of altercation that yeah. all went kind of south. And then now here I am for him because <laughs> of circle. that memory, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in the room next to somebody who obviously is there because they love him or they're for him, and so am I. But yet we have an altercation between us. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how ironic is this that this circle, after all these years, it's still this situation. And I chuckled. Uh, I chuckled about it. Like I thought, I laughed, and I thought, you know, even though I haven't spoken to Brian in all this time, I just kind of felt this sort of funniness with him about it mm-hmm. that he might find that's kind of funny. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah, feel like sure. I actually Attitude. feel that right now. I actually feel that right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I walked outside, I was connecting with old friends, and that person, as I was walking to my truck, actually physically attacked me oh, at gosh. Brian's wake. Wow. What? Yeah, and Jeez. so I went home. 
And this is like somebody who they live like right down the street from me. And so I told my wife, I said, you know, isn't it funny how things are? The universe and right. life just sort of takes it. You know, it's like George Lucas says about the Star Wars movies. He wants they were echoes. Each one's an echo of the other one. You see these patterns. I, I couldn't help but think about the uh, the pattern of mm-hmm. it all. I was like the pattern from when I was 12 years old and connected to Brian overlays with the pattern at 44 years old yeah it's at brian's way at brian's way <laughs> right and so it may believe it or not it actually was comforting it was what i needed in that situation because i was like well peace ain't working but i don't have to get wrapped up in this drama again right it was just like a little bit of comfort i don't know it's just a strange thing yeah that yeah. is a strange strangest oddest seren- serendipities and i'm happy This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city. But if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. Yeah. Well, look, this has been awesome, but there's a part of the show I told y'all about where I kind of give up my asking questions, and I give it up to the fishbowl. What we call this part of the show is fishing for goodies. Now, normally each person would one person would draw three questions out but when as a group i usually have each person draw one question but since this show's about brian moore we talked about getting you guys to talk about maybe how brian might answer these questions since y'all knew him so that'll well. be fun yeah i think All it'd right. be a, a right way to do it so Go josh qualities or lessons you want to pass on to your children Ah. Compassion, musicianship. I, 
think he'd leave it right there. Yeah. Two Every, big umbrellas. Allow, allow, allow the person to be fruitful and grow from those two kernels. I don't think he would want to interfere any more than just that. It's interesting because you said religion is your music is your religion. So for, for Brian, y'all feel like music was sort of his uh, communication method, like a way of showing love and oh, yeah. compassion. Yeah, yeah, I would say, sure. Brian, I, I, would, I would say that, that was almost his religion, too. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to words, there's a gatekeeper. Like there's only a very small part of your brain that knows how to talk. So any part of you as a creature that wants to speak has to basically get through this. This one piece that has to translate what you feel, what you think, what you what you want, um, and, and and explain it to other people. And music completely bypasses that mm. because I mean, you know, we we see monkeys like throwing rocks at logs, like specific logs to make a specific sound. They always throw it at this one spot, like so. You know, it, it, it's so making music is so core, and even beyond that, just walking is music. If you're a cockroach, I mean, click 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 stop, mm. click 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 stop, click click. I mean, they, 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 there's a rhythm. To, to, to life at its, at, its, at its very core, you can watch a bacteria like slosh around and all of the scylla on the outside have to move to a rhythm to move. So I think that when it comes to music, like the entirety of your being can speak through without it. words, through music. And, and, as, and it doesn't have to pass through that gatekeeper. And that gatekeeper sometimes can be a bastard mm. <laughs> and, 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 and mistranslate what you're trying to say. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the you're you're well like it's almost like the pain wall you know i was talking about that with somebody the other day i said some people get stuck in the pain wall and so their language is all pain yeah you know but music Mm -hmm. since it doesn't have words it can pass through the pain wall and it doesn't get filtered through that gelatin you know and it can get into like the center you know for sure i've got a i've got a lyric uh uh, i wrote recently it says uh and if I have advice to give, I'll only give it from the center stage. I feel like a lot of my conversation is fucking pointless. <laughs> I can communicate more with music than I can, right. you know, yeah. with words. Sure. Compassion sure. and music. I like that. I like it as one thing almost. It's yeah. a language all its own. Beautiful. Cody? All right. Jobs you'd like to try. Hmm. <laughs> Wow. I bet you've actually had conversations about that with him. You know, the, the funny thing is, um, I know when I've talked to Brian about that and kind of where I went in life after I was trying, um, and I talked to Brian and I was like, you know, things that he wanted to do and travel around is something that he mentioned, but he was really content with yeah. the things that he had done. Ah, he was that's very exactly what I was thinking. He was very content. He was basically like, and that probably is what brought him back here so many times. Is he was like, you know, I've I've gone around and tried some things, but it's never as good as it is at home. And uh, <laughs> he he'd come back because that's all he really wanted to try. Ah, wow, man. Hmm. So he didn't have. It's interesting because it does relate to what y'all talked about earlier, where he could like could have went off every you know every six months he would say yeah. I'm, I'm about to go do this I'm gonna yeah. make it I'm gonna do this but he, he stayed you know, you know he, did, he would tell me he's like well if you go here let me know because I know people and I'll, I'll hook you up with them <laughs> right and, and so many different places so many different places but that that wasn't where I think his um, his heart was and that's what drew him back down here so he was connected to other places and he tried other things but he really loved being and this probably keys back into all the things that we've mentioned previously he he felt like he could probably contribute from home uh to the people that were around him being in those bars the patron saint of 3 a.m and you know being around those other people and helping them 
probably was the one job that he truly wanted and he figured out a way to get paid to do that by being a bouncer by being a doorman by being a musician uh, like all those three core things and yeah he worked in a couple other places that i've known of and he sold sold you know uh, instruments he was you know working at homsies for a while and but he was still somehow like a I wouldn't say a, a therapist, but he was... I call him a sage. A sage, definitely. Yes, that, that was the word I was looking for. That's a Thank good you. word, yeah. Especially at Homsies, because people oh, go man. there. I mean, yeah, right. conversations mm-hmm. at Homsies. Who oh, hangs yeah. out at an alcohol store, like at like a coffee shop, or like a, <laughs> right. like a, a you know, this is the hangout. But it was because, one of those places. Because Brian and, was there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Stocking the... Stocking the shelves, yep. ordering the liquor. I mean, I love that, man. I love this idea of him as that. And it doesn't, isn't just an idea. It sounds like it's a reality. You know, you and I were kind of talking before you guys showed up. We're talking about these fringe areas where there are people at. There are people mm-hmm. that need oh, yeah. love in these mm-hmm. cracks. I was thinking about this other day. You know, these photograph loops that you can look through and you can see, like, really close. and get all the little cracks on something. And I was thinking about that, about my hand and I was like you know when when I look at it right here I just see my hand but when I put one of those on the palm of my hand I can see all the little splits and down inside those splits there's stuff you know there's there's bacteria there's there's texture there's life in there you know mm-hmm. and I it sounds like Brian was that guy in those yeah. places right like maybe the places that people weren't looking you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He seems like he uh, uh, inhabited spaces in between space and a lot yeah. of people's lives. Yeah. You know, maybe even inside them, you know, because when, he, when, he, when he's gone, it, it felt like a piece of you is gone. Mm. You know? oh, a lot yeah. of people felt like that. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just I Josh. I was sliced in half. Just, yeah. Literally half of me is dead. I have to do something else with the other half. Right. Mm. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll grow and fill the space that was left. Yeah, it's like you have but. like an, an eternal vigil that's just mm-hmm. always in the oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I get that for sure. I have people that in my life like that. I mean, going on, you know, one particularly going on twenty five years, you know, and it's just never going to go away. I mean, I, I think I'll be the. I, I thought this the other day. When I went to go visit their resting space, I said, I'll, I'll, I might be the last living person that, that keeps this vigil yeah. with this particular person. Mm-hmm. And when I'm done, I don't know if there'll be anybody else to carry that flame, you know, yeah. because I'm getting to that point where I was young when it started, but now I'm getting old now, too, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a it's, saying, and I don't remember who said it. It says you die two deaths. Your mm. first death when you actually die. Your second death when the last person utters your name for the last time forever. Mm. That sounds like some heavy, deep uh, stuff that you'd learn in, in college, like by an English professor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, I'm sure it was a famous per, famous uh, philosopher who said it, right. I would imagine. Maybe mm. not. We could have been an author English or professors. Philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> so we knew a lot of English professors, so it could have come from one of them. Mm-hmm. Marcus, your turn to dive in, bud. All right. Let's see. Go deep, man. Let's see what's in there. Going deep. That's what she said. Ah. <laughs> always the last inch that's the most important here we go things you're scared of hmm wow man hmm. well whenever I came back uh, it was, I'm supposed to say what Brian would yeah think but of we this. can also talk about it from other perspectives so well, Brian was actually scared one time whenever I came back uh, and saw him at Shaky Ground. Um, 
I told him that I was going to do a uh, detox program in Baton Rouge, mm. and he was scared because he knew that it was associated with uh, Scientology. So, uh, and, and I've never seen him be scared about anything, but he was very, uh, he wanted to have a long conversation about it. And um, so I guess he's scared of people who uh, are predatory in terms of, uh, you know, emotional uh, emotional predators physical predators and that speaks very directly to how he was in, you know like i gave the example of the bar fight ah you know someone trying to be a predator like overpower like taking right. yeah i got you. anyone who's going to try and I'd take advantage of someone even more yeah. poignantly would be to say being unable to help yeah and not necessarily he yeah. wasn't afraid of the emotional predators who were going to prey on me prey on you but being unable to help right interesting yeah at that time yeah, because there was, you know, uh, I remember it. He, 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 I, I was having this conversation with him outside of Shaky Ground, and he didn't want the conversation to end. Yeah, keep yeah. you there as long as he could. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So he had that sense. Yeah, that, I've, I, I know for certain that he kind of that he knew, and this was before there was a lot of information about it online and stuff. Like he's just a very well-read person, you mm -hmm. know. He read a lot of books and listened to a lot of music. He talked and, to a lot of people. And yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so he probably was just very concerned and didn't want to let me. Had some vanguard, like, hey, I'm, I'm, he was on the front end. Well, he's like a protector. I mean, you know, he was really a protector. He is, you know, patron saint for sure, patron saint at 3 a.m. for sure, but he's also a protector, guardian. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's interesting. That's the, I don't know if y'all have read the, I know we brought Bodhisattva up a few times, but one of my favorite pieces of literature comes from Shanta Deva's uh, long prayer slash poem. It's a whole book called The Bodhisattva's uh, Way of Life. And it says what you just said, pretty much. It says, may I be a protector for those without one, a guide for all travelers on the way. May I be a bridge, a boat, and a ship for all who wish to cross the water. So, I mean, you yeah. just said it. I mean, right. he had that presence of... Uh, Protection, yeah. love, wanted to help mm -hmm. selflessly. And I don't know if there's. You'd have been there. happy being that boat forever. Yep. Carrying people across for, the river. For you and everyone associated with you. For anybody, if, if somebody yeah, yeah, felt, if, if you were talking to him and you had care about some other person, he immediately had care for that person too. And it was, I mean, he just he trusted what your instinct was if you were if you were close to him, you mm. know. So you were you were all by association part of his his protectorate. It's very interesting, man. I mean, I know we've been saying this, the patron saint at 3 a.m. But, you know, I mean, I didn't know Brian was Catholic. I didn't know his family was Catholic. And when I went to the wake, I realized, I was like, oh, they're, they're Catholic. And, you know, it's interesting we're using that language because, you know, this is maybe unpopular for the traditionalist. But for me, I think it's beautiful because if he really is this 3 a.m. saint, that means you can call on his intercession. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. kind of a beautiful thing to think about with him. You know? mm -hmm. He's not gone. I mean, I, I don't feel like he's gone. I, I feel like who was Brian here on this earth is not here anymore, but I, he's not gone. I mean, yeah. part of him left, like I said. like It felt like part of, part of me was gone, like the, the memory, whatever it is, that I associated with him. But I don't feel like it's – I don't feel like he is gone. I don't feel like his um, – Energy is gone. I understand that. I mean, I, I do. And what you're saying it resonates with me because of the way I feel about death is 
it's a new relationship. What was that? I think it was either Chief Seattle or Chief Joseph. I can't remember, but they said uh, there is no death, only a change of worlds. And I've always thought that was pretty sticky, and and it's helped me yeah. navigate death a lot because I, I feel like it's just a new relationship and it's very hard for us because we don't know what that's like because we live in these bodies you know and we have all these memories and all this stuff but having a relationship with a new relationship with somebody that we've had a long tangible fleshy relationship with is very difficult because we've never spoke that language you know it's just something new well when i was born i cried a lot I mean, I, I still was, do. I was pretty but I used upset. to too. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mitch Hedgeberg, right on. Oh yeah, for sure. The, but no, when you're born, like you cry, and it's like painful, and it's like sucks, right? Yeah, right. When you die, people cry, and it's painful, and it like sucks. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, two well, might be related. Somehow. It might be. Well, it's like that lady, that girl's dad said. You know, the pain you feel is equal to the is a good representation. I like that a lot, actually. The love that you felt and let yourself feel that pain because you'll you'll know how much you got to love in this life. I was like, man, that that's that sounds a lot like Brian. The pain yeah, there was that, a ton of love outpour. Like if that's mm-hmm. if you if you take that to what you know what whenever whenever he whenever he died, it was just like so much love mm-hmm. and, and so much shared pain yeah. right you know? oh, yeah. I and mean, that's why it was massive it was, it was cathartic to just be over at josh's for so long with so many other people going through the same thing because you don't always get that kind of convenience of having right. that many people that have so the shoulder to lean power. on man. Yeah. but it was it's you know like different people mean different things to everybody but it was almost like consistently among every single person that was there it was the same kind of power right and i mean it was it was was a, a good way to get through easily one of the most difficult times for a lot of us. Yeah, you know, as we as we start to age and experience these things a little bit more. Yeah, like I said, it brought me and Josh closer than we've been in years, and it was it's you know I'm super thankful for it. I love yeah, I love no, it's you, great. Josh. Even even in his death, he's bringing us together. Yeah. I mean, like that's something else. Yeah, we used to have. I mean, else. we still have fun, but me and Josh used to had a blast together when we were kids. I mean, just yeah, so I mean, much. We good pretty close together. Memories. Yeah, we share a lot of the same interests ideas and, and interests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music. Well, there yeah. is one last question, uh, and you guys can each answer it separately. Um, you see those three yellow coffee mugs? No, yeah. mm-hmm. those belong to y'all now. Oh, well, thank sweet. you. And there's a question on the back of each one. Did anything good happen today? Seems like a simple question. There, uh, a little story. People who've listened to this podcast have heard me tell it a bunch of times. But you know, I said the whole goal of this show was to basically honor goodness, whatever that looks like. Because man, it looks like anything. I mean, there's yeah. no like you know lodestone that says, "Oh, this is good and this is bad." It's just got so many colors to it. it sounds like Brian was one of those colors, and so easy to look at each day i've always thought and just go what happened today and as humans we tend to slide towards the negative and sort of string those things together on a beat and go ah this shitty thing happened and then i ran into this person and we don't always focus on the lights and string those together and so i i started trying just a little experiment was rephrasing that question and saying what happened today when i get home to visit my family i'd say hey did anything good happen today and it was like flexing a whole new muscle. It allowed us to have better conversations and look at our day through a different lens, just with by adding a word 
Yeah. I like it. So well, I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to ruin this for you guys. I'm going to say this. I really enjoyed. <laughs> I really enjoyed being here and speaking with everybody about Brian. I don't often get the chance uh, to talk about him because I mean you know. How often can you say I miss somebody? How often can you, you know, I mean, no matter, no matter how much you care about the person who's saying it to you, how mm-hmm. often can you hear them say it? No matter how much you share the pain that they feel, you know, how often, and it's something that I want to say like every 45 seconds. Mm. Like, <laughs> and, 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 um, it was really cathartic to, to be here to talk to everybody. It was really nice to be able to share this with everybody who's out there. Um, the people who know him and the people who didn't. And uh, that's my high point today. Awesome. Was this. I echo that 100%. Yeah. Um, this has been something that I feel like uh, is part of the, the you know process. And uh, getting to share this with all of you guys has definitely meant a whole lot. And... Um, I, uh, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for anything more. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll echo the sentiment too. Uh, but in, in the, in the interest of not trying to not being, uh, you know, just a copycat, uh, <laughs> we had a really good conversation, uh, leading up to this. Uh, we did. Yeah. Orrin and I, and, uh, we actually have worked, uh, in tandemly, not, you know, like I, I used to do social media management and, um, Mm, and yeah. web development and stuff and we've had some similar clients and we've shared some stories about our our work history and stuff and it was just yeah. a really nice uh way to get to know him before we did the podcast and that was I a agree. Really good thing we had a happen. lot of a lot of connecting nodes that i we we discovered as we chatted yeah it was interesting and, and uh yeah real we were at the table I, I like that i think that's for me too if i if i get to answer the question today this has been really good for me too every every time i sit at this table it's good because it reminds me of what y'all said about Brian. I, I am lucky to get to do this, honestly. I get to sit with people and have, like, with intent and have real conversations with people. I love that, man. I mean, just to get to be with people's pain, their laughter, mm-hmm. you know, the whole range, you know, over and over again. And Brian, you know, I know I didn't get to do that. And I told you all those weird little stories. So y'all see, obviously, my my connection to him is so different than y'all's. Sure, yeah. you know, but it still was healing, oddly enough, and, and uh, that eternal presence that he has, that three a.m. saint. You know, I felt that in my That's life. That's going to stick with me forever. In such an yeah. odd <laughs> sure. way. Yeah. With especially at his wake when I went home and just I was like, God, I was so frustrated that I was dealing with this. Just. I don't like violent altercations. I think we can solve our problems better than balling up our fist. I really believe that. And I want to try it every chance I get. And it was frustrating to me as that person. And I was honestly... And at such a vulnerable time, too. Yeah. I wanted to be 100% present for this man that I saw so much love being poured out for. And I was so angry. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I was angry that that I was having to be in a situation where I had to ball up my fist. I was angry that everything I cared about was being tested. And then I chuckled when I realized it was happening in the same, same manner, (laughs) damn way. And it just made me laugh and I needed to laugh, honestly, Yeah, you know, to, to get it. I needed something to, 
you know, you, the static charge, you got to touch something, mm-hmm. you know, before you pump gas. I, that was kind of where I was at. I was like, I needed something to pull this charge out because I was ready to throw my principles out the window. Yeah. And it get, got me back in the right space, you know, and I, that seems to be what his gift was, was to just give you what you needed. Check yeah. yourself. Yeah. Before you wreck yourself. And that's where I was at. Yeah. You know, I was about to make a big hinge in my life where I was like, well, okay, I'm just going to play the same game. As the other person, oh, yeah. I'm going to meet them on their rules, mm-hmm. and Brian, oh, that's all. That can be really bad. Oh yeah, yeah. I've done that before. Yeah, with, Brian with, gave with me that people. Pause, it's not you know? good. He gave me that pause I needed with with a smile, and it was comforting, and it got you know got me through a little bit of that. Yeah. So it was nice to to get to talk to y'all and and get the whole I don't know this whole other side that I just said only was catching pieces of from different people well like i said you could have another hundred people (laughs) come and go at this table and get a hundred more different stories from uh certainly about oh yeah about brian so yeah you just say a thousand i'd go up yeah oh yeah magnitude being on there yeah for sure for sure easily well hey you know what now it's out once this is out there it'll be out in the ether man it'll just be recorded and captured yeah Hopefully, people will uh, look into him honestly because there's people who listen to this all over the country and the world, and you know, yeah, odd little places I never would have thought they're listening to this little show. Well, they gave him an award, uh, you know, they, they probably the people who gave him the award were like, well, I guess we should probably give this guy Mr. Brian Moore or something because the people are just <laughs> freaking out about this guy dying. Right. right, right. So I mean, yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah. share it around and let people uh, who who knew I mean, Brian talk that about morning. It. That morning, uh, that afternoon, by the, by the afternoon of the day he had he had passed, wasn't there, like there was a proclamation. Yeah, like yeah. The mayor head was like it was oh. so fast. The yeah. whole city <laughs> recognizes that he was super cool, right. <laughs> and that this day sucks. Yeah. See why he's in voice in, in, in voiceover. Yeah, <laughs> right. golden exactly. voice. Man. Voice just cuts through. It's so clean and crisp on the microphone. Mm. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Well, thank you all very much, guys. I just want to tell you, all, I. Uh, in the spirit of Brian, too, and just I mean this, I love y'all for coming in here to do this. I love you, too, oh, it was man. Fun. Thanks it was for great. having us. I appreciate well, the invite. Yeah, definitely. This has been great. I love you just as Thanks for listening to this tribute to Brian Moore. It was produced with honesty, respect, and love for the man. Please take a moment to share this tribute with a friend. I thank you for spending this time with us and for pressing play.